Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 80 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, this week is our special Halloween episode, which I'm really excited about because Halloween is my favorite holiday. Yes, Halloween even trumps Christmas for me. Uh, I don't know what that says about me, something. Uh, But later, we'll be speaking with Bateman of The Righteous, and I also have actor, comedian, wrestling podcaster, former WWE creative team member, all those things, Matt McCarthy. But first, it is my privilege to introduce the seven-time former world champion, the badass of the allure, Angelina Love. Angelina, welcome to the show, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, too. Well, I invited you onto this Halloween episode because I know that you're a horror movie fan. So uh, I've seen that on your social media, so I know that about you. Um, let me ask you this. Are, are you offended? Because you don't know what's offensive nowadays. Are you offended by the word <laughs> chick? No. <laughs> okay. I'm not offended by much. This uh, every word is a bad word culture drives me insane. Yes, me too. But I had to ask. Um <laughs> See, I was going to say you are what I would define as a cool chick, okay? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, there's there's three main reasons why that I think you're a cool chick. You love pro wrestling, you love metal, and you love horror movies. To me, that's the the cool chick trifecta. I'm kind of a catch. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I would say so. Well, let's get right into this with the the spirit of the season and everything. Uh, Favorite horror movie of all time for you? Um, so I just want to pref- uh, preface this by saying I'm the worst at the favorites game. Um, cause especially when it comes to horror movies, cause I love so many of them, but like, I always say devil's rejects is like my top. Um, I'm just obsessed with that movie. I love the characters, which probably sounds weird because they're like mass psychopathic murders. <laughs> but what I like about how like Rob did that movie and the way that they scripted it out, Rob Zombie is they're horrific people, like horrific serial murders, but it's written and kind of twisted and played in a way where at the end, when you see them like driving up and then like that whole police brigade is like waiting for them and then they get shot, you feel bad, like you're sad. You're like, no, I love them, you know? And it's like, wait a minute, like that's such an interesting way to like twist the psychology, you know? Absolutely. And Freebirds playing in the background, right? Yes. I think it's heartbreaking. And then I had to like, I had to like check myself. I was like, wait a minute. Like, why are these people are like horrendous murderers? Why are you sad? And I was just like, but I just love their characters so much. It's very weird. But I like that about the movie that it makes you kind of question like, wait a minute, what? How did I get roped into this like that? Absolutely. I was just having that conversation literally with somebody the other day. Um, because, and I'll get into this later, but um, I took my daughter to see Halloween Kills, the new Halloween movie, and I started discussing like the Rob Zombie franchise of Halloween and how it was different. And then it just got into a discussion of Rob Zombie movies. And Rob, to your point, always seems to identify more with the, what you would call the villains. And a lot of the victims in these movies are not like real sympathetic people. 
So it's like, he's almost wants you, like you said, to sympathize with these monsters um, who don't really have any redeeming qualities. Like they are just like, they torture people and they enjoy yeah. it. His version, his version of Halloween was good too. I liked his first one. I thought the second one, you may disagree with me. I thought Halloween two that zombie did was just a bad movie. Like, I meant I, the first one. Yeah, the first <laughs> one was really good. And was, what what was the other, like the Witches of Salem or something like that? Or just Lords Salem? Of Salem? Yeah, Lords yeah, of Salem. Yeah, that's really good too. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, have you seen 31, another zombie movie? I have. Yeah, I thought that was pretty I have. Cool. I don't love um, excessive gore. Because to me, that kind of makes it too Hollywood for me. You know what I mean? So like, like the hostile movies are good, but because they're scary too, you know, but once things get to be too gory and it kind of looks too fake or too dumb or too movie-like, it loses like that, that fear and suspense and thrill for me because it takes me out of like, oh my God, this could be like a real situation, which, you know, if you take anything from a horror movie and try to make it into like reality in your head, it's terrifying, right? That's how these movies work. But to me, if it's like excessively gory, I just fall out of it. And I'm like, nah, they're trying too hard, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's what kind of ruined the, um, all the franchises of like the 80s and 90s, the Nightmare on Elm Streets and Friday the 13th and not so much the Halloweens, I guess. They, they still remained pretty dark, but it's almost like Nightmare on Elm Street especially became kind of humorous, right? Because you just wanted to hear Freddy say a funny line before he killed somebody. Right. You and know, was- the what, so I want to give props to The Shining too. I freaking love The Shining. Um, that is such a good movie. Uh, but like, I love like se- late 70s and then like pretty much all through the 80s and like super early 90s kind of horror movies. Um, like the original Carrie, I love too. Uh, oh, AMC... Yeah, AMC Fear Fest is on right now, and I'm obsessed with it. Like, I will literally, for the entire month of October, make sure I watch as much AMC as possible, because it's just, like, 24-7 horror movies. Um, (laughs) And I remember it just used to be from, like, the last half of the month. It was from, like, the 17th or 18th or whatever until Halloween. Now it starts October 1st, and it goes until Halloween, and I'm just like, yes! Because I think it's so popular. They were like, we should probably extend this. This gets us really good ratings. I would think so. I would think so. Well, you mentioned a couple of movies there that are also uh, some of my favorites. Carrie, if you go back and watch it, which I'm sure you've watched it many times now, but for anybody out there listening who maybe hasn't seen it, or you've only seen it once or twice, if you go back and watch it, there's not a lot of real horror in a lot of the movie. And it's like, I mean, there's even one scene where it's like, remember where they're like trying on their prom, the guys are like trying on their prom outfits or whatever. And it's kind of like funny. It's kind of played for laughs. And then all of a sudden, you know, things get dark real quick. And I think the mother, Carrie's mother, was the scariest thing in that Yeah, she, she plays that character very, very well. Yes, um, Piper Laurie. She was very creepy. And right at the end, like, very, very twisted. Like, you feel so bad for Carrie <laughs> in yes. that movie because of her mom. Um, and actually, so Carrie, the OG Carrie, it was on... I don't know, like last week at some point. And I wanted to just like look up Sissy Spacek because she's so unique, right? And I don't know if you know this, but for all the fans, I'm sure you don't know this either, that are listening, Carrie was 27 when they filmed Carrie. Or I mean, Sissy Spacek was 27 when they filmed Carrie. And she's playing like a high school girl. 
Right. I, did I didn't know, know that. Was, I did not know she was that old. Yeah, because she looks. Know, like that, that was she looks thing. fifteen. <laughs> yes, that was a thing. They always hired actors, especially in the seventies and eighties, to play teenagers who were much older. Like, like this is not a horror movie, but Grease. Olivia Newton-John was like twenty-nine. Stockard Channing, I think, was in her early thirties. Even John Travolta oh, wow. was like twenty-four. Uh, Jeff Conaway was in his mid-20s. But you know what? That works. Like, I mean, and hey, bless them for looking so young at their ages, right? Like, that's what we all want. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, they definitely made that work. And she did, because I was like, man, like, how young was she to be doing this movie? Like, it's this terrifying, you know, role that she has to play. And yeah, she was like, she was already a married woman. She got married when she was 25. So she was like a married adult woman (laughs) playing like a 17 year old girl in this horror movie. And apparently the guy that casted her didn't originally want to cast her. And I think it was because she was older, but she like came in with like, with no makeup one day. Um, And apparently she put Vaseline in her hair and I guess just looked, just made herself look the part. And then they were like, yep, hired. The first time I saw it, I was probably like, I don't know, 12 years old. And, and I, I was watching it on like the late, you know, the late movie show or something like that. And uh, I was not prepared for that final scene. I mean, did you jump when Carrie's, I mean, we're going to give some spoilers here, but the movie was 1976. Let's hope people have seen it. Um, Carrie's hand coming out of the grave and Amy, when Amy Irving is standing over this horrible looking grave that says Carrie is down in hell. I mean, did you jump when that happened? Uh, yes, I don't now because I've seen the movie a hundred times, but yes. Right. Um, what the part that like freaks me out still, um, is when she comes back and she's going up to take a bath and get all the blood off of her. When she walks up the stairs, remember her, she can't find her mother in the house. So she's walking up the stairs and right as she walks into her upstairs bathroom and turns the light on the mom is standing like a mannequin behind the bathroom door and that yes. light that Carrie turns on turns on in the bathroom shines the light on the mother who's kind of just in the corner side of the screen and it's easy to miss but when you see it it's uber creepy yes that was a creepy moment um and I feel like I'm sure there were other movies before this but that final gotcha scare at the end which has become such a, a trope, a horror movie trope at this point. Almost, you could maybe overdone to some extent, but that was the first one I really remember and the first one that grabbed me. Um, and, and Brian De Palma did it, like, he did it again in uh, Dress to Kill, which was another uh, like psychological horror movie. And that one got me too, the, 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 the gotcha scene at the, end of, um, at the end of Dress to Kill. But I, want to I, like, about- I like thrillers. I like, like I said, if it's, you know, an hour and 20 minutes of just too much gore. I'm just like, ah, eh, this is tacky. I like things that get psychological. I like things that are suspenseful and thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Like I can't get too scared of, of, you know, like I said, the Jason's or the Freddy's because I know it's just so out there. Like that could never happen, but like a serial killer, you know, those do exist in real life and <laughs> that could, right. um, so yeah, but I have to talk about The Shining because I know you put that out on Twitter that you were watching it and I, I replied to you and said my favorite movie of all time. And I love it. Another, is it 70s or 80s? I can't remember. It was 1980. And I know that 80, because, okay. because I'm old enough, Angelina, that I saw it in the theaters. I was 13 years old. 
And my mom, God bless my mom, she indulged my love of wrestling. She indulged my love of horror movies. It was rated R. Obviously, I couldn't see it without her. She took me to see it, and I was just mesmerized, captivated. It became my favorite movie when I was 13. And here it is all these years later, still my favorite movie. Yeah. I've probably seen it a hundred times. And there are still things that I will pick up in there yeah. that I missed before because there's, it's so intricate. I mean, to me, and, it's a masterpiece. Oh, a hundred percent it is. And what I like too, is it's like, it's a very long movie too. And nowhere at no point when you're watching it, do you like fall out of the movie? You know what I mean? Or go, Oh man, this is long. I'm bored. When's it going to end? Right. Like that just doesn't happen in that movie. And I just feel like they don't make movies like that anymore. No, definitely not. They don't. They, yeah. That was like a two hour and 25 minute movie. I feel like. Now- uh, four, and I want to I want to give props to 1408 too. If you haven't seen that with um, uh, Cusack, John Cusack, yep. have you yep, seen 1408? Yes. That's, I feel like that's a really good thriller. Yeah, I thought that was okay. Not, it's not one of my favorites. I didn't dislike it, but it's not something that I wanted to see like uh, multiple times. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this. Did you see Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining? No. However, when I, put, when I tweeted that I was watching The Shining, somebody kept responding to me about Dr. Sleep, Dr. Sleep. Yes. And, um, but I did not know what he was talking about. <laughs> if you love but Shining, I will definitely look it up. Absolutely. If you love The Shining, um, I was skeptical, right? Because again, favorite movie of all time. You're going to make a sequel to that? I don't know. I was skeptical. I didn't read the book. Because I'm just like, nah, you can't really, like, that story ended. I can't, you know, Jack Torrance is dead. Uh, we, what can we possibly do, you know, to, to, to expound on that or make it better or whatever. But I watched it and I will just say this. I'm not giving anything away. But if you love The Shining, the last 30 minutes or so of that movie, you, you'll just be on the edge of your seat. And like, you, to use a wrestling term, you will mark out because that's what I was marking it's out. 2019? Yes. Okay. Yeah, definitely go, okay. definitely, go, definitely go check that out. Yeah, if it's good and it was like a newer film that was actually good, then I will check it out. <laughs> Speaking of newer films, did you, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, Halloween Kills, have you had a chance to, to see it yet? I have not yet, but Are I do a, want to. Okay. Well, when I went to see it, and I'll just say for the record, I liked it. Um, I've seen a lot of reviews, and I don't know how much you or people listening care about what the critics say but it's getting a lot of bad reviews which I was surprised about because I I thought it was I thought it was pretty good um but when I went to see it they played the Scream trailer for the next Scream movie um that looks exciting are you a fan of the Scream series yes oh my gosh the the original Scream I think it was like 95 I was only 14 so we were like at the perfect age to like go to the theater and watch it or when it came out on VHS or it was in Blockbuster or whatever. I remember uh, us watching it at like a, a sleepover at a girlfriend's house, just a bunch of 14, 15 year old girls watching Scream, trying to figure out like which one's the killer. Uh-huh. Um, and they've actually been playing Scream quite a bit on uh, AMC Fear Fest. So I have been watching it because it's like, it's like nostalgic, you know, in a way, because that was, 
like obviously The Shining is not going to be like nostalgic for me because it came out a year before I was born. But something like Scream that I watched when I was 14, it brings back those memories of like having a sleepover with my friend and thinking that that was really scary and exciting. And I watch it now and I'm like, I mean, it wasn't that scary, but I mean, for, you know, the time and for being a 14 year old girl, you know, to sleep over and we're all playing detective. Like, I think it's a really good movie. Absolutely. Uh, so some, for someone like you, who is a longtime horror movie fan, someone like me as well, uh, as we get older, you know, it's easy to scare us when we're kids or maybe when we're teenagers, as we get older and we become more cynical and I think it's tougher to, you know, obviously to scare us. Do do you still get scared? Like, is there a movie recently that you watched and like it still gave you the creeps or or made you scared for? I, you know, I don't know. Like scared, like you, like when it scared you as a kid and you had nightmares and kept the lights on. But you know, just creeped you out. I guess maybe the final, like Final Destination, gives me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like just like seeing how all that stuff like the deaths and everything happened first and then they wake up and then like the whole movie is just like anticipating these deaths of these people i thought the fine i thought the like the original final destination even final destination too i know there's five of them but i thought like the first one was really good um there's two horror movies that i cannot watch and it's just it's too real they're just too real and too disturbing for me i cannot watch the last house on the left uh-huh. um I saw that in theaters and I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed that I didn't know that certain things were going to happen in that movie. Um, so I have a very hard time. I don't like watching that movie. That was on Fear Fest and I just didn't watch it. Um, and then the Hills have eyes because there's just some, a couple scenes and more in the beginning part that are just too disturbing for me. Yes. That's yes. a good word. Disturbing. Those are very disturbing films and, and dark. Yeah. Um, dark for sure I, there's a there's a there's a movie um that actually disturb like I, I didn't think there would be a movie that could disturb me in not in a good way right but like like kind of like what you said disturb me in a, in a negative way it was a movie called funny games have you ever seen that no okay so uh a buddy of mine uh you know like we're older married guys and everything now neither one of our wives particularly care for horror movies so he and i go to see a lot of these movies together and we'll see some ones that are like kind of fringe and like not like funny games is one not a lot of people have heard of, but we went to see it. And, um, you know, because we do like stuff that maybe some other people, like we even saw green inferno, which was like a cannibal movie. So like, it takes a lot, I think, to disturb me. Funny games actually disturbed me because it was just so dark and cynical and like cruel. Uh, it almost felt like, like the uh, like the, the the guy that made it wanted to like really almost like he wanted you to get so disturbed that you would or angry that you would leave the theater like it was a movie that just was that bad and like um like a kid gets killed like you, they never kill the kid in the movie right like oh the kid's gonna survive they'll kill the parents yeah like stuff with kids and children like uh even poltergeist like i watched poltergeist at a sleepover when i was 13 and i could not sleep that night mm-hmm. i thought it was so freaky for me and i don't know like i feel like everybody should be this way when it comes to children but for me i think once i had my son so many more obscure things make me like really emotional <laughs> or like want to cry. Like I love the home alone movies, like home alone, uh, OG home alone and home alone Two. home alone three doesn't even exist to me, but like those two, when like the mom comes back at the end and she sees Kevin and they have that, I cry all 
the time. And then in the second one, when they like meet up again in front of the big Christmas tree in New York city, I just cry. So like, I can't watch like pet cemetery, you know, when the kid is about to walk out on the street with the Mack truck and like, I cannot handle that stuff like at all, at all. Yeah, I'm the same way. Anything with kids, I just cannot. Like when the mother, like even though Poltergeist was like, um, you watch it now and it's like, oh, it's a little cheesy when they come out with the goo all over them and that kind of stuff. But just the thought of like the mother, like she can't find her daughter. And, you know, like, how do you get that? That just like hits me on a whole nother level. Well, funny games, I won't spend too much time, more time on it, but it's, it's basically these two guys. It's like a home invasion thing. They invade this family's home and it seems like, you know, at first it's innocent. I can't remember the, I've only seen it once because I vowed I would never watch it again, but it's like, they kind of ingrate, like they, they seem like just these two nice young guys and they come in. I can't remember the, the reason or the excuse for getting them in the house, but then it turns dark and they proceed to like torture this family. It's a man. It, I think Naomi Watts is, um, I could be wrong about that, but I think she's the, the mother in the movie, but they have a small, uh, son and they're terrorizing this family and it's like they're deciding like which one's gonna die first and it was like all right and it lands on like the kid and I'm like oh they're not killing the kid first and they kill the kid like right in front of the parents oh gosh no nope. yes. do it. and it's like I have uh, two daughters right and I'm just like oh my I said to my friend I was like why would you take me to this this is terrible like I never right. see this movie like this is just too much oh you know what's really good too the strangers Oh, love The Strangers. Really, really good movie. Terrifying. I love it because it's so yeah. random. It's like, why did, you, why did you do this? Because you were home. Now that's... Yeah, that it's, very, it's very creepy and it's very suspenseful. Like that's an actually scary movie. Absolutely. I thought that was very creepy because again, this goes to what we were talking about earlier. It could happen. These characters aren't super right. They're just three like crazy people who decide. I mean, it's, it was very much based on um, the Manson family, obviously, and, and the home invasion and everything that the Tate LaBianca murders, just like a random killing that didn't seem to have any reason. And you just kill everybody inside. Yeah. Um, that's what makes it scary. Like someone coming in your home. But I, it was the idea of the seclusion too. They're out in the middle of nowhere. It's late at night. That's what I always tell people. Like, everybody's like, oh, I want to be secluded. I want to... Yeah, I want to go out in the middle of nowhere and just enjoy it. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Because if something happens, you can't get help. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, I lived in the country. I, I've never been like a country living kind of girl. I'm also not like a city girl either. I'm like good with like a, you know, small neighborhood, little subdivision, you know, close to some things. I don't want to be way out in the middle of nowhere. And I don't want to be downtown in a city either. But like we moved when I was seven and we lived in the country from when I was like, seven until I was 11 because my mom kind of grew up in the country and she thought it would be a great experience to like, you know, have her daughters kind of like, you know, have a little country living feel, which she liked so much when she, we hated it. Like it was the worst. We actually had a serial killer that lived down the long windy road from us. And he would actually walk his dog past our house numerous times his dog was terrifying too like we would not go down to the bottom of the driveway and wait for the school bus um if that dog was like anywhere anywhere around us and like one time um what was his name david snow let me make sure that's right you can even google this too i think his name was david snow 
Um, no, so this is like a, a legit, this is a real serial killer. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. A friend of the family, the true story of David Snow, the cottage killer. Yeah, David Snow grew up in Orangeville, Ontario. That's where we lived. <laughs> oh but we lived in we lived in Caledon, which was like 20 minutes just outside of Orangeville. Um, and we actually moved from Caledon into Orangeville and we loved it in Orangeville. But when we lived for those three or four years in Caledon, we were in the middle of nowhere. And when they when the cops were finally coming for him. My dad was at work. My dad worked like 35, 40 minutes away from where we lived. And he was like, you know, nine to five. My mom was a homemaker. So she would stay at home and me and my sister were at school. And my mom, because we had a huge piece of property, you know, out in the country, she was on the ride on lawnmower. One day she was mowing the front lawn. And all of a sudden she saw these cop cars, just ra- just like a horror movie, just racing down this country road, dust coming up behind the tires. And she was like, what? And then one of them stopped and told her like, hey, pretty much like there's a serial killer, like there's a killer basically that we are trying to find around here. Like, please get in your house and lock all the doors and all the windows and just stay inside. Do not come out. You know, so when we got home from school, this was like hours later. So of course the school bus is coming by. Like the bus driver doesn't know. We don't know like what's going on in the area or anything. So I remember my mom, when she saw the bus come, she came tearing out of the house and down the driveway and was like screaming at me and my sister. We had to run back in the house and lock all the doors. And yeah, they ended up um, getting him. His name is David Snow. David Alexander Snow is considered one of the most notorious criminals in the history of Canada. He used to walk his dog past our house every day until he got caught. <laughs> he right, lived in the country. That would give me some sleepless nights. There's that's that is creepy. Yeah. Wow. Yep. It was it was pretty insane. Let let me uh, switch gears a second. Ask you about um, the the paranormal shows, right? The ghost hunting shows and the ones that have like psychics and mediums. Are you a fan of those? Uh, do Do you believe in them? Is it a work? Um, I so I think some of them can be cheesy, but some of them are good. Because I think the paranormal stuff can be very freaky, too, in a movie if it's done right. Mm-hmm. Like, the original paranormal activity, like, I, I thought that was pretty scary. Oh, I loved it. I, I yeah. Think so too. I thought that one was pretty scary. So, but I mean, once again, it's a very fine line between scary and cheese factor <laughs> when it comes to those kind of movies. The Conjuring, very good movie, too. Yeah, I think all. Yeah, I love all, I love all those. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. I just love being scared and watching scary movies. <laughs> well, th- th- there's a lot of us that are, well, I'm weird too, and I think obviously they keep making these movies and they keep doing well. So I guess I think that a lot of people out there are are weird like like we are. Um, but let's talk about uh, you actually being in horror movies because you've done some acting yourself. Um, I know one uh, was called The Demented and actually had Bret Hart in it. Um, you know what I thought was cool when I looked that up, because uh, I was doing my research for you coming on today, is that the guy that played Jason in the first Friday the 13th, the boy um, who comes out of, at the end, out of, out of the water, is, w- was in this movie. Were you even aware of that? I was not. <laughs> Probably didn't have any scenes. His name is Ari Lehman. Obviously, he's like 50-some years old now. He was in this movie. Yeah, no, we didn't have any scenes together. Okay, yeah, he was the boy in Friday the Thirteenth, which I thought was was crazy. Like he was, and now he's he's still doing horror movies. You know, forty, how many ever um, years later? Um, but you did another uh, thing. It was called uh, Dark Rising, 
Warrior of Worlds. Um, tell me about that. Yeah, so that wasn't that wasn't horror as much it was like kind of dark sci-fi, but that was a little bit funny too. Um, and I just played like the main heel girl, got to do so. So the main babyface girl is Brigitte Kingsley. She's a producer, a, a talent scout, an actress up in Canada. She's wonderful. Her and her husband, uh, Andrew. And um, so her and I, like she got in the wrestling ring and we taught her a few things with my trainer, Rob Fuego up in Toronto. And um, we did some fight scenes, got to choreograph with like a real stunt guy. Like it was really cool. Um, that was back in 2012. So right after I quit TNA, I like immediately went up to Canada and was filming like this, uh, this series up there. And my character's name is Rosemary. And uh, I'm kind of like, I have all the powers in the other world, pretty much. Like you can't kill me, you can't hurt me. I speak very monotone. There's no highs or lows and emotion or tone of voice, facial expressions, nothing. Um, so yeah, it was very, very fun. We still post like our fight scenes and stuff like that because it was just, it was just very awesome. Ah, very cool. Well, again, I watched the trailer for uh, Demented and um, like I said, Bret Hart is in it. Uh, we, you and I talked a little bit before we started recording today and said, you, you, you told me you and Brett didn't actually have any scenes together in the movie. Um, but this movie looked pretty uh, dark. And uh, just the trailer was, I thought was kind of creepy. Um, who did you play in, in this movie, The Demented? Yeah, it is, it is quite dark. And it's, it's, taken a, it's taken a while for it to come out. There was a lot of um, fine tuning that they did, but they made it better. Um, I play, so I play the killer's wife. Um, so I had to film a lot of scenes where obviously like I'm starting to be suspicious and I'm following him around to see what he's doing and where he's going. I'm not sure at first, you know, if he's cheating on me or what's going on. Um, and then I end up dying and I am a very vengeful ghost. Obviously. Because <laughs> I have no idea who I'm married to. And, you know, I'm like the ghost that wants to like help. Um, the ones that are still alive or suffering. Okay, so a little baby face turn there. Well, I'm kind of a baby face the whole time in this one. Oh. Like, I'm the killer's wife. I don't know he's a killer. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, I'm trying to figure it out. So, right. yes, I'm actually kind of like a, just a normal, nice baby face in this movie. I don't do the killing. Okay. That's but I would love to be in a slasher film. I would love to be in like a, you know, a, a slasher film. That'd be dope. I would love that. Yeah. Like what Vinny and Flip did. Oh my gosh, that is like right up my alley. So cool. Yeah, what was the Burial Ground Massacre? Was the, I know it had gone through a few name changes, but I think they finally ended up with Burial Ground Massacre. So, and Vincent, talk about typecasting. Vincent playing the, uh, the killer. What a surprise. Oh my gosh, I know. Like you can't get more perfect than that. <laughs> well, I'm going to, let's, uh, I, I guess this is okay to break kayfabe a little bit, but um Vincent and I, like, I just, I love what, obviously, as someone who loves horror movies and all that stuff, I love the Vincent, I love the character, you know, what he's doing, the cult leader, the whole thing. And, you know, we were talking about, like, you know, potential people to join the group and stuff like that. And he told me, again, I hope it's okay to say this, but he's like, Angelina really wanted to be part of the Righteous, but I just didn't feel like it was right for her character. Is that true? Yeah, Vinny and I talk horror movies all the time. He's also like The Devil's Rejects is also like one of his top fave movies. So we 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 vibe on that like Rob Zombie. Um, you know, and when like 
he's got that Charles Manson Otis from Devil's Rejects kind yeah. of vibe going on. Like we both know Bill Mosley who plays Otis. Um, so Bill's yeah, it was. This, Bill's been on this podcast. Oh, I love Bill. I've met him a million times at like um, horror conventions and comic cons and Days of the Dead and stuff like that. Those yeah, are so great. fun. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I got to meet. I've met everybody, but um, I met Sid Haig a few times and Bill Mosley. Um, Kane Hodder, who plays Jason, he's a sweetheart. Uh, mm -hmm. But I've never met Sherry Moon Zombie. I'd probably cry if I did. I love her. <laughs> um, but the baby character, I love. And I could play that character to a T if need be for wrestling or for a movie or whatever. I'm obsessed with baby and the way that Sherry plays her. So me and Vinny just like vibe on like uh, horror movie talk all the time, especially his character and his group. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. I would love to see somewhere down the line. If, if it just, if the stars aligned and something happened where Angelina love ends up as part of the righteous, that would be outstanding. That'd be wicked. All right. But let, let's go down. You were involved in a, in a supernatural storyline uh, years ago. I hope it's not bringing up a sore subject. Um, <laughs> Back, back, it's probably a decade ago in TNA, Winter, um, who uh, Katarina Waters, I believe is her shoot name, or at least one of the names she went under. Anyway, um, she was doing this thing where, like, it's been a while since I've seen it, but, like, she, like, she said you knew her, like, in a past life or something like that, and then she was giving you some kind of drink that sort of put you in this, like, trance-like state. Um, looking back on it, um, what were your thoughts, I guess, when it was presented to you and what were your thoughts, uh, while you were doing it? You, you played um, like I was, a zombie at times. I mean, you were like, right. like comatose almost, right? Yeah. It was so I did not love it, but there was things that I appreciated about it. So Velvet and I were still very high doing BP stuff, beautiful people stuff. So we were not looking to be split up or wanting to be split up. Um, so I, they had actually, the time that they brought Winter in, they brought in like, I think two or three girls and she was one of them. And it was like, okay, this girl's going to come in and she's going to be in a storyline with this girl we already have here. And somebody else is going to come in and be in a storyline with this other girl we have here. And then for some reason, Winter got paired up with me. And I remember thinking that was such an odd combo. I was like, wow, of all the girls that are coming in, like you paired us up. Like it was just so out there to me. I didn't see it coming. Um, but I think they just knew that I could help her, um, which I'm fine with, obviously. Uh, so I, at first, I didn't get it. I wasn't sure what she was or what they were wanting of me or what this was going to be. And then one day, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm drinking like this drink. She's drugging me a potion, whatever. So I was like, well, I can't just be my normal me, like, you know, spray glitter and, you know, hair and makeup and pink everything i'm like so i started doing like this this uh, this makeup that made me look drugged out you know because i'm like well if i'm supposed to be like some drugged up zombie i'm not gonna have perfect makeup and perfect hair that's weird um so i started kind of doing like that zombie makeup and looking very like gaunt and like you know just distant and 
What I liked about it is that it really took me out of the box um, and my comfort zone and what I'm used to, because I'm sure you can tell, like our camera's not on, but I'm using my hands to talk. Like I'm a very animated person. <laughs> um, wrestling definitely taught me like, you know, not only do the people in the front row need to see everything that's going on in the ring, but, you know, people, 10,000, you know, seats up need to be able to see what's going on. Like, so people on the top of the building and, you know, front row have to be able to see. So it's all about like animation and, you know, big arms and, you know, body movements and just the show of it. Right. right. This character was like none of that. It was like, just be dead, but walk. And I was like, so I kind of had to be like in my head, I was still like, just be like the undertaker, just be like the undertaker. Um, so it, that was a challenge to me to be live in front of crowds and filming and having to stop myself completely from doing what I would very naturally do, if that makes sense. So, sure. you know, if I was getting hit, it was like no sell. And I'm always like a huge seller. So it was like, no sell, no sell, you know, and I would always try my best to not blink. And I think I did that really well. Like people were like, how are you not blinking? I'm like, I don't know. It just, uh, I'm just like keeping my eyes open. And for some reason it's just working, whatever I'm doing with my eyes, I'm not feeling like I need to blink. So I wasn't. So, um, so it was challenging in the way that it was kind of taking me outside of everything that I had been taught and been doing in wrestling since I started. <laughs> um, but I didn't love it because it was a little go nowhere. Once again, Velvet and I didn't even want to be like split up in the first place. We didn't feel like it was the right time. Um, but I feel like we just did the best that we could. That was literally Winter's entire stint in TNA from the moment she got hired until the moment she got released, everything was with me. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, but it just, you know, Vince Russo ended up leaving and new creative and new management came in and they didn't give a about the storyline. So it just went off TV. There was no ending. There was no finish. It just kind of was like, we just weren't doing anything with it anymore. So that kind of left a sour taste in my mouth as far as like, it didn't even have a finish. It was like a year and a half long yeah. storyline, if not more, two yeah. years, maybe even not a year and a half, year and a half, um, with no finish, you know, a lot of work with no finish. So I didn't like that. Yeah. Well, ab absolutely. That sucks that it doesn't, it didn't have an end point, but I remember watching it at the time and, and, you know, honest opinion, when it, when it first started, I was like, oh man, this is silly and cheesy and, like, I don't like this. But then the more it went on, the more I became intrigued by it. And I had, you know, it was like, it became a guilty pleasure. Like, I want to see where this goes. And your performance was really excellent with just, you know, kind of like, like a walk, like a zombie, basically. And I, and I was. Yeah, because for me, always, no matter what, if you give me the ball, I will run with it. Right. Even if I'm like, if I have to figure it out for myself, or if I don't like it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm always a professional. And that's just how I am with my work. You know, like I got this thing to do. I don't like it. I don't think it fits me at all. But, you know, like I said, with the makeup and with the outfits, I got some really like gothy, sexy outfits made. I loved them. So it's just like, give me the ball, run with it, make up my own, do what I got to do. And that's just pretty much what I did with that, that character and that storyline. Just out of curiosity, do fans, obviously you've done so many things in this business and Everyone, you know, obviously will remember you with Velvet, the beautiful people, and winning all these championships. Do fans ask you 
about the whole winter thing? Does that something that still comes up? I still get tweets often about it. Yeah. Some people obsessed with it. And I just think that's hilarious because I was like, ooh, I hated it. <laughs> but some people were like, oh my God, the winter storyline and Angelina and this and that. They, I still get tweets often of people asking and talking about it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm really not surprised because like you said, it was such a departure for you and your character. Um, and it really stretched you as far as um, a performer, you know? So in that sense, it was, it was kind of cool, I'm, I'm sure. But And I think the reason that I kind of have a, a sour taste about it is because I just... I just did not feel like it was the right time to do that. Right. I didn't, like, we did not want to split that. So it was kind of like, boo. <laughs> you know, nothing against Kat. I love her. She's a sweetheart. She loved doing her character and her thing. It was right up her alley. So, you know, there was no issues there, obviously. Um, it's just how I felt about it and where I was and what I was previously doing that I wasn't wanting to let go of and, stop doing yet at that point so that was kind of what soured it for me personally yeah you felt like it wasn't time for this i mean eventually partners are going to split or whatever and they'll do their thing and they'll probably end up getting back together at some point you just felt like it wasn't the right time to to end things with velvet so that, that makes perfect sense correct yeah um, let me ask you quickly about another this wasn't really a horror movie storyline at all but when you were involved in a program with um uh tara lisa marie Varon. uh she had used to carry around a real life tarantula. Uh -huh. I'm just curious. <laughs> um, I, that you talk about what scares me. Uh, tarantulas like uh, would scare me. Okay, if I was ever. Oh yeah, I don't do spiders. I was going to ask you because you had to be around. That. Did she ever actually put it on you? Nope. No, and I made that very clear. <laughs> no, because I was like, unless you want me to be on the floor having a convulsing panic attack, this is not like the spider can't come near me. No, I actually cried backstage one time. I had an immediate panic attack when the thing. So I think it got put on somebody else. Um, but they were very cool with me being like, no, I can't. Like, I will be on the floor. Like, you know, when you put like an outfit on a cat and it just falls over and it won't move. I'm like, that will be me. So if that's not what you're going for, that's probably not going to work if you bring that spider near me. <laughs> Do you like those kinds of horror movies with, with the spiders and things like that? I don't, but I mean, once again, you know, it gives me the creepy crawlies and it freaks me out, but that's the point, right? So. Right, exactly. I'm the same way. I can't stand spiders, even little ones, much less a tarantula. Mm -hmm. Nope. But nope. I love watching um, Eight-Legged Freaks, even though it was kind of comedy. There were some scary moments in there with David Arquette, you know, Eight-Legged Freaks. Um, Kingdom of the Spiders was a movie back in the day with William Shatner that I thought was scary. Even, even like the, the classics from the 50s, the giant tarantula. I'm so scared of them, but that's why I like to watch it, right? Because you, you want to scare yourself. Um, I'll tell you what, though. Quick story from me. You said you wouldn't do anything with the, with the tarantula back then. So quick story. Um, you know, I do uh, indie. I'm, I'm a heel manager on the indies. At least I was, you know, a few years ago. And we had the, the at Maryland Championship Wrestling, which you've been, MCW in Maryland. Um, they had the boogeyman coming in for an appearance. And so... I, I, oh he's awesome i i love the guy he's awesome but i show up at the um at the building and i was i, I said hey you know when the guy i one of the guys i managed is like hey what are we doing tonight and he goes oh uh you're doing the boogeyman spot i was like what he goes yeah, yeah we're gonna do, <laughs> sets it up you know this is gonna happen that happens then boogeyman music hits he comes down and does the worm gimmick 
And I was like, this is a rib, right? And he goes, no, no, seriously. And I was like, look, I, I've, I've, I've done a lot in MCW is like, I've taken a, you know, a, a, what is the Bronco buster from X-Pac? I've been punched in the face by Booker T slapped by Roddy Piper, you know, Billy Gunn gave me the famous, sir. That's all cool. I'm like, I'm not doing the worms in the mouth. Like it's not happening. And, and like, you could dump a bucket of worms on me, but in the mouth, no. Yeah, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Where he like puts them in his own mouth and spits them in my mouth. And they could, yeah, no. they're like, you won't do it? I'm like, no, if this means you're not going to use me anymore, then it's been fun, but that's not going to happen. And so I got, I did get out of it. I don't feel, I don't feel like that's so out of the realm of normal. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I feel like a lot of people would probably say no, even though it's like the boogeyman and it's supposed to be a cool spot. I don't think it's weird if people were like, so legit disgusting worms from his mouth into my mouth. Nah, <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think you're too far out there for saying no, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, I, they're like, well, you know, it's just a work and this and that. They're like, would you, uh, I'm like, I'd do anything. It's else. not a work though. They're real worms. <laughs> exactly. That's what I said. I'm like, it's not, they're, they're real worms. They're real. I see, I've seen, I saw them backstage. They're crawling around. It's disgusting. And um, they're like, well, would you put, what if, what if we bring Rikishi in? Cause he, he did come in at one point. They're like, would you do the, you know, um, the stink face? I'm oh, like, geez. I was like, sure. I'll hold my breath. Who you got, who you got heat with Kevin? <laughs> You know, the whole manager has to get beat up, right? It's like, and I'm always cool with it. But it's like, would you do the stink face? I'm like, sure. I'll hold my breath. It'll last for a few seconds. You can turn sideways. It's not going in your body. Exactly. <laughs> it's, that's a lot different than worms in the mouth. I'm like, anyway. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, um, before I let you go, I want to ask you, because I, I promised I wouldn't make this too long, and I appreciate you giving me so much of your time. Um, Halloween is uh, obviously, it's, like we love it as adults, but it's really, you know, Halloween is for kids and, and trick-or-treaters. Um, how old, how old is your son now? He's five. Okay. So the trick-or-treating must be like a big thing for him, right? Oh yeah. He's all about it. Who is he going to be this year? Do you know? SpongeBob. Oh, okay. So not, yeah, not he, scary. He's not the end of the No. Story. So when he was, so he was, uh, seven months old, his first Halloween. So he was a cow. I got this little fluffy cow outfit. It was so cute. Cause he was just crawling around. Um, and then then following year I had him as a little tiger. It was super cute. And then his third year I had him as like a vampire bat. So I put like the little spray, like the purple hair kind of color in his hair um and he had this little black outfit that had like a bat on it and then when he put his arms up it was like bat wings that were attached like from the arm to the the midsection of the the costume so that was the he was really cute in that too and then last year he was a skeleton so i did like you know he had the skeleton outfit i did the face makeup on him Uh, i put green in his hair he looked awesome or blue it was either green or blue and then this year he'll be spongebob so he's got like the giant spatula i got him a crusty crab baseball hat and then he's got it's pretty much just a zip up onesie (laughs) so he's good he's good to go he's obsessed with spongebob right now so yeah i remember when my kids went through the spongebob phase yeah for sure um, yeah, I have two, two girls and, and they do, you know, they've done like a lot of the princess stuff. And, um, my oldest at one point she was into Harry Potter. So she was like Hermione. They really didn't do the scary stuff. Although my oldest who's 16 now is talking about being Carrie this year. 
That's awesome. Which is awesome. And oh, I forgot one. David and I, oh, for Halloween in 2019, David was Marshall from Paw Patrol and I was Chase. We did that too. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, he said I'm, he wanted to be Marshall and he asked me if I would be Chase. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to figure that out. But you know, those pop up spirit Halloween stores? I love those stores. Um, one of the ladies there, because, you know, they have a ton of, uh, kid Paw Patrol stuff, but I'm like, I can't fit into any of that, obviously. But I was able to get a chase hat. So it was like the police hat with the dog ears. I just had to like cut a slit in the back so it fit my head. I don't even have a big head either. But um and then I got uh the lady suggested getting a female, like an adult uh police like dress pretty much like a like a woman's police outfit. And I was like, oh yeah, duh. Why didn't I think about that? So that's what I did. I had like the mart or the the chase kids like police dog hat on with the dog ears and then i just had on like a police outfit for an adult and then david had the whole head to toe like marshall kids outfit it was super cute that works that works for sure i'm excited about this year for halloween i still dress up i like to scare the kids you know like I, i'll just put on like a michael myers mask and i'll have like the um the halloween theme playing in like a boom box or something on the porch. And yeah, we started decorating September 1st. So that's the way oh, it goes wow. around here. I thought we, were, we started the last week of September. I thought we were early. Um, no, I like what I don't know. For some reason, once it's like September 1st, it's like, all right, it's fall. It's all now all the fall stuff comes out all the how because I I'm so into holidays, like especially from September to New Year's pretty much. So like, you know, because it's just so cozy. You know, like I'm, I'm a summertime, warm weather, year round kind of girl, but like, I love Halloween so much. I love decorating. I love getting into it with my son. Thanksgiving, you know, very family, cozy, warm. And then Christmas obviously duh, is everything. So I literally will keep the Halloween decorations up for like a week or two after Halloween and then go straight to Christmas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That is, that is a fun time. Those, those several months there are, are a lot of fun. And they get yeah, for sure. Like once you get to Halloween, it's like, man, Thanksgiving seems like it's next week. And then Christmas is right around the corner. And then all of a sudden it's Christmas. And then all of a sudden it's a new year. And then all of a sudden it's Valentine's Day. And it's like, wait, where did time go? <laughs> like so quick. Well, this year I've let my hair grow longer, mainly like during the pandemic and stuff. And I was like, I've never had long hair. I'm just going to let it go. My hair is the perfect length right now. I am going to be Jack Torrance this year. I've already bought like a fake axe. Um, you know, you don't nice. have to, there's not like an elaborate costume for Jack. I'm still looking for the red. You can just find some seventies clothes, go to a, a thrift store or something. I've got everything. I just need to find the red corduroy jacket and I'm going to be Jack Torrance. Oh, that's awesome. That's going to be so cool. Um, you know, I did see you on video before this and yeah, the hair that works. Perfect. Right. For Jack Torrance. Yeah, totally. Totally. Absolutely. And I could do a good crazy face. I think I can, I think I can pull, <laughs> I I can pull this off. Uh, last question I'm going to ask you. Um, I can't let you go without asking you this. Last Halloween, your nemesis, Quinn McKay, dressed up as you. What did you think of her portrayal of you? Were you flattered by it? Were you angry by it? What did you think? I mean, she's never looked better. <laughs> Great answer. Great answer. <laughs> See, I think this year you should dress up as, as her. No, I would not downgrade myself like that. <laughs> I already, I already have like, 
when this so when the spirit halloween stores you know as soon as like halloween's over like november 1st everything's on sale so i go and i stock up on like makeup face jewels and you know spray glitter and all that kind of stuff so i have like this face jewel set i always do very elaborate makeup i never know what i am um but i'll just do like very elaborate super colorful heavy makeup put face jewels on and then i have a crown this year that's got it's very tarot it's got like the phases of the moon on it and like stars and stuff like that so i don't know what that means i'll be but it's going to be something like that <laughs> right we don't know what it what it'll be but it'll be something cool it'll be something right. badass what else would you expect from the badass of the allure uh, before I let you go, Angelina, can you tell us, uh, remind us once again, where everyone can follow you? Yes. So my Twitter is at actual a love. Um, my Instagram, a love, the number four life two, 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 and my cameo, a love, the number four life. But Angelina, again, thank you so much. Happy Halloween. And, uh, I'm sure I'll see you down the road. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. play wrestling with y'all but we got something even better yeah! honor nation it's the roh wrestling honor pals the body slamming drop kicking way to keep the fun going we need some tougher competition El Puro Paco, Jay she's the new honor pals champion roh wrestling honor pals bring home your favorite star at shophonor.com All right, my next guest is a comedian, an actor, wrestling podcaster, former WWE creative team member, uh, and also, as I've said before, my as my uh, as as Mean Gene Oakland would say, he's my close, longtime personal friend, Matt McCarthy. Matt, welcome back to the show, and happy Halloween to you, my friend. Happy Halloween, Mister Eck. Uh, it's wonderful to reconnect with you always yes always good to to reconnect uh so we're here actually you know obviously to talk about all things halloween scary movies um and we'll get into i want to since this is a wrestling podcast we'll get into maybe some some wrestling talk later as it relates to supernatural but you are uh, somewhat of a horror movie aficionado is that is that fair to say uh, yeah, I mean, I am a, um, I'm a connoisseur of all things cinema. I love horror movies. I love uh, physical media. I am sitting in an office surrounded by VHS tapes and DVDs and laser discs and uh, a, a handful of CEDs. And so, yeah, I, um, and, and, and in particular, the physical media um, kind of community is, is more horror fans than anything else um so i've run i've run across a lot of weird random stuff yeah but i love it all didn't you do on your social media didn't you do like a horror movie countdown at one time or i did last year leading up to halloween i was i figured you know what each day i'll post you know my top 31 favorite scary movies um which was fun and it was actually difficult to pick you know, it, it, in my head, I'm like, oh, 31, that's that's easy. I can pick 31 e easily. And it wasn't 
for lack of it was difficult wasn't for lack of i can't think of 31 movies it was like i can't narrow it down um but yeah i just um yeah so that was fun and and i did do that and you know my i'm a big freddy krueger guy i'm a big uh you know i love the original waxwork i love you know the, the sequel to waxwork as well but uh you know, Evil Dead 2 was number one on my list. It's just my favorite horror movie. I think it's the best uh, horror movie ever made. Um, you know, The Shining. I love all this stuff, man. <laughs> I, and, I, and crappy horror movies also. That, that's my jam. Yeah. <laughs> ah. well, sometimes the ones that are so bad, they're good, right? Yeah. You mentioned Evil Dead 2. Were you on the tour bus when we were working at WWE together? when someone put the evil dead movie on or it came on TV, I don't remember, but were, were you on that, that bus trip? No. Was this, would this be like when it was just the, the bus with the writers or like the big bus with like the bus with the writers. Gosh. Um, I don't what it like was it? I don't think so. Was okay. it watched in the front or in the back? In the front. It was watched in the front. And, you know, being a huge horror movie fan myself, uh, believe it or not, I had never seen Evil Dead. I mean, I, I you know, hate to admit that, but it's true. Mm-hmm. I had always heard about it and I knew about it and Bruce Campbell and all this stuff, but I had never seen it. And it was on. And um, Stevie G, let's give a shout out to him. Uh, Steve Guerrero, mm-hmm. uh, also one of our colleagues. It was like one of his favorite movies. And he's like, you've never seen this. So you got to watch this. And I was not prepared for it. Like, it was not really what I expected. But, um, man, the thing was just genius. Obviously, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are big Evil Dead fans and they know all about it. But for me, yeah. it, it was like, this is some crazy I mean, you know what? I mean, maybe. I'm trying to think of... I have a vague memory of being on the bus and a movie that i love coming on and i can't think of what it is it it very well may have been evil dead 2 i mean i was basically like i don't know if steve g was there i would have been there a little bit longer than him he started a little while after me um but certainly there was like i just slept on that couch in the front like there was no uh, spot for me like in the back um, with the guys who had been there for a while and I was just ha- I just I love watching TV and so I was just happy to be you know at, at a certain point I was just alone watching TV on a bus which is like <laughs> still a novel fun concept to me you yes. know growing up in the 80s and you know the idea of a portable TV set is <laughs> was wild it is still wild to me it is we're still fascinated by it i may have been there i may have i may have been there for that i mean this may be what i'm thinking of but i you know i kind of thought you were but like i said you know a lot of those things run together yeah that's that's just it it's like there's so much is gone (laughs) forever and then i mean I, i i maybe you have the experience too where people start telling you stories and you're just like wow really that I happens was, to me all the time. I'm like, yeah. really? I, I was, I was there for that. Yeah. Yeah. I got a, one of my best friends who I've known for like, God, 25, 30 years. 
is what he's got one of those memories where he just remembers everything and he will tell mm. me stories about myself that I do not recall. And I'm like, damn, that's a great story. Like that was me. Like yeah. I have no recollection of this. I mean, I certainly do that to other people. I, the things that I remember are, you know, set in stone, but other stuff is, you know, uh, I, it sounded cool. <laughs> I'll take you at on good faith, but right. yeah. All right. So evil dead two was number one on your list. If you recall, where was, or you don't have to, you know, give me the exact number, but like ballpark figure, where was the shining? Probably number two. Uh, if I had to guess it, w- it would have been number two. Um, Cause that's just, I am a huge, I, Stanley Kubrick's my favorite director. Sure. Um, and so that was absolutely uh, uh, at the top of my list. Um, if it wasn't number two, I can't think of what would have been. And Kubrick didn't do a lot of quote unquote horror, but um, I would contend that Eyes Wide Shut is, I don't know that you'd call it a horror movie, but it's certainly very creepy. And I think a very underrated film. I think um, it's sort of, um, some people love it. Some people don't. It's, it's kind of polarizing, but mm-hmm. you have a thought on Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, it's terrifying. Can you imagine if that happened to you? <laughs> it's horrifying. Um, no, I love that movie. I think it is, it is underappreciated. I think it is um, uh, misunderstood. It's, um, you know, he's just on a, you know, that character, he's, he's on an odyssey and he's right. in like this dream and it's just this, it's every time I watch that movie, I, I watched it this past uh, um, on Stanley Kubrick's birthday. I sat down and I was like, all right, well, what, which one am I going to watch? And I was like, I'll watch Eyes Wide Shut. And it was actually the first time, because I have it on DVD and definitely have, you know, a VHS of it that I taped off of, you know, pay-per-view or Cinemax or something back in the day. Um, but I think, think this year was the first time i ever watched it in on like a blu-ray and like high definition and it was the first time it dawned on me that the scene where he is um there's a shot of tom the tom cruise character walking through you know uh new york and i realized just because of the clarity in the 1080 you know the the giant hd tv i was watching it on i was like oh my god this is a rear screen projection shot um and it add like it the shot made sense to me because i was like oh this is he it looks like he's walking in a dream mm-hmm. and that was you know that's the intent of that movie that it is this you know he just goes like it, did these things happen is it in his mind is it you know how much of it is you know this weird sex fantasy that he's in i mean one of my favorite parts of the movie is um when he first first leaves the house after him and nicole kidman get high and have a fight and you know he he starts dwelling on this you know image of of you know her character cheating on him with the 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 military guy the navy guy whatever he goes to um one of his patients has died and uh the patient's um, daughter is clearly in love with him yep and then her fiance shows up 
and they are a you know a poor man's dime store you know uh version of tom cruise and nicole kidman and it's just wild seeing they're almost like the and i and i would think that this is the intentional joke they're almost like the you know the pornographic knockoff version of them you know how anytime that there's some sort of a hit movie uh some you know adult film company will make well here's the porno version of it you know it's you know much like in wrestling you know saving private ryan now here's saving ryan's privates uh and the two of them are standing there and he's like looking at this parody of themselves and it's like and then the movie itself is very much a parody of you know tom and nicole in real life like they were the only people who could play those parts because it was like this real life couple the most powerful couple in hollywood and it's that movie's just wild and it's terrifying when he gets to that when he gets busted at that party and he walks in that room and all those faces without eyes are staring at him and the music that is playing it is sheer terror no um, question about it. No question about it. And yeah, there's there's really it's such a unique film. There's there's really it's it was quite the movie for Kubrick to go out on because it was just there's nothing before or since that's like it. You know, it's, it's that's true. Pretty, I, I would wild. say anybody listening to this who um, you know hopefully or most likely you're a horror movie fan. That's why you're listening. Uh, if this one is one that you haven't seen for whatever reason, you you passed it by. And you think, well, maybe it's not a horror movie. I'm not sure what it is. I, yeah, a- absolutely. For everything we just said, it is a, it is scary and it is creepy. And if you put yourself in Tom Cruise's shoes, uh, his character's shoes, when some of this stuff's going on, um, it, it is, to use your word, it is, uh, it, it is, it is terrifying. So, what did you think about uh, Doctor Sleep? Did you, did you see the sequel? I, I loved it, man. I hadn't had a. Um an emotional reaction to a movie like that in in a long time that was my favorite movie of that year when that came out i mean like i was i was in tears watching that movie i i knew how much i loved the shining but i didn't know how much that the danny character meant to me and how much i identified with that character until watching him as an adult and just you know, when he hits that bottom, when he wakes up next to the the woman and she's yeah. dead and then, the you know, the, the baby comes in and and it's just, it, I don't know, I'm sorry, I don't know if I could swear on this, but I mean, just, it, it is just devastating. Um, and then to see him becoming his father. Yeah. Um, and then he actually gets sober and then to like use his you know gift to be of service to people um who are you know in hospice care and it's just like i mean god that is a remarkable movie and 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 uh rose the hat i mean i have not hated like like deep hate like you take hate and you bury it in the bottom of the ocean like I like I hated that like I it was crazy and like when they you know they when her and her crew like kill the the the, the little leaguer and stuff and I'm mean, like that was like 
that's rough that was truly uncomfortable like it was like really really upsetting i mean that movie like i every emotion i could uh, imagine um like what a piece of art what what an absolutely incredible movie and, and just you know and it worked as a um it was true to the kubrick movie it was true to the the king source material um it did such a great job of you know letting both both uh, both pieces exist at once um i mean yeah i i can't say enough things about that movie and 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 i also emphasized to people i was like i don't this is not objective like i don't I can't say that you're going to have the same uh, experience and reaction to the movie as I did, you know, because I am a huge Kubrick fan. I'm a huge King fan. I'm a huge, um, I, 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 I was moved by that movie. I, I didn't know that it was going to, that, 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 that character in particular, Danny Torrance had touched me so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect because being such a huge fan of The Shining and, you know, a sequel, all the, like, I didn't read the book. I, I said this earlier too. I, I didn't read uh, Dr. Sleep because I just no. didn't feel like there was nowhere else to go with it. And um, Danny Torrance as, as the lead character, I mean, to me, The Shining is Jack Torrance and, and I don't want to, I don't really care. I, honestly, I didn't care what happened with Danny Torrance after the overlook and what he was like as an adult. I just wasn't mm -hmm. intrigued by it. Then I saw the trailer. Once they did the movie, I saw the trailer. And the shot that got me was, you know, uh, Danny looking through the door, the here's Johnny spot, but he's looking through the door instead of his father. Yeah. Like, All right, I need to check this out. And yeah. uh, you, you, hit, you hit the nail on the head. Mike Flanagan, the director, uh, well, it was like a love letter to, to, to The Shining um, for, for fans. Like, he was really true to it. And the brilliance of it, as you said, was he was able to take the book and the movie, and I think everyone knows Stephen King hated the movie, uh, but there are fans of both, and he was able to kind of merge it together so that, it, you know, whatever camp you were in, you were able to enjoy it, and the last 30 minutes of that movie where Danny goes back to the Overlook, like, it just blew me away. Like, I, yeah. it just blew me away. And, and, uh, who who was it? Uh, the name escape was it Henry Thomas that played the Jack Torrance in in Doctor Sleep? Um, that's a good question. But man, did he hit a home run? He did you know? it was, it was and, he was the kid, like one of the young kids in ET, right? Isn't that the same guy? Oh, was it? I believe so. I'm sure someone will. Well, there's this thing. You know, I have my phone next to me, uh, Matt. There's this thing called the uh, the internet. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna. I'm going to Google this. We uh, never have to wonder ever again. Never have to wonder because uh, I'm going to, I'm going to look it up right now and look up Henry. Yeah. Henry, Henry Thomas, uh, who was in ET, uh, played Jack Torrance in Dr. Sleep. And he didn't just do a, um, you know, it wasn't a parody a, or an impersonation. No. And it was not a Jack Nicholson impression. Right. Um, he, he really uh, took apart that character and you know and stayed true to you know the per the performance we were familiar with but also was just um great as you know d wasn't a 
1980s club comic being like, and I think it would go something like this, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, Henry Thomas is uh, is terrific. I don't know if you've watched, I haven't finished it yet, but I don't know if you've watched Midnight Mass. Speaking of um, modern horror, the, the series on Netflix. I haven't watched that, but Henry Thomas was in the, the Hill House, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, I watched that, which was also Mike Flanagan. Um, I, I highly recommend uh, Midnight Mass. Okay. Um, it's, it, again, uh, created and directed by Mike Flanagan. So. Well, uh, we could sit here. I, I could do an entire probably three-hour podcast on The Shining alone, but let's not do that. Um, have, you, sure. have you, I mean, you have acting. And, and I, uh, not to interrupt you, but uh, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. Uh, to bring it all the way back to pro wrestling, Mike Flanagan directed the only well i'll say for me <laughs> i think the only decent uh wwe film oculus i've yeah i saw that movie I, that was good that was yeah decent. yeah i don't know if that's the only i'd have to think i have to run through all the uh wwe movies in my head uh to see if that was the only good one but that was definitely a good one and yeah well were- for me for my money that's that's my favorite one and i and i do keep it um uh, with my wrestling movies okay you consider it a wrestling movie. well you know what i want to get into uh i want to talk about wrestling uh wrestlers in movies and supernatural characters in wrestling i definitely want to uh go down that avenue in a little bit but uh, you i mean you're an actor you have your acting credits you've done a lot of stuff uh you're mainly known as uh, a funny guy as triple h uh, once said that he doesn't think <laughs> as we've talked about uh have you done any uh, horror or suspense? Have you had any uh, experience doing that? Uh, no, no. I've had some small roles in some dramas, but um, never, uh, no, never have I ever been in anything uh, scary. Um, um, and and I, I, which I, I'm open to it for sure. Um, but yeah, no, nothing comes to mind, actually. I mean, I've done some, maybe the closest would be the Batman videos yeah. uh, that uh, Front Page Films made that uh, College Humor produced and posted on their website That where I played almost, I mean, I'm in every video, but, you know, if I wasn't Jim Gordon, I was typically uh, the heel and... A couple of them were, and we would shoot them like, you know, the Chris Nolan movies and with that dark tone and, you know, so doing, uh, getting to wear like the Two-Face makeup or, um, you know, we did the Riddler. That was kind of not too, not too, uh, always reminded me of um, after Star Wars came out, you know, I kids today i don't think they realize you know like star wars is everywhere and you can consume star wars in really any medium you can think of but between star wars and empire strikes back there was um only the marvel comic book and at a certain point the comic book they hit the end of you know a new hope and then the next issue was now we're just making it up. Yeah. Um, and it and it is some of my favorite stuff because it's like, you know, it's not 
canon, I guess now, um, which can always change. But the um, shooting of our videos, you know, that was, I think the Riddler was the first one where it's like, okay, we're now we're on our own, but we're, we're in this universe that we have set the rules for. And it's like, well, what would the Chris Nolan, you know, Joker, uh, excuse me, Riddler look like? And so we had like makeup with like a, a carving of a question mark on my forehead type of thing. And um, so those things were scary. And, it, and that's the reason that it works, you know, but um, as far as my experience, no, I have not gotten well, I'm a, the I'm a big fan of all those, those Batman videos. And oh, thank you. The one where you were the Riddler, is that the one where Batman just like slapped it out of you repeatedly? Is that another one? Oh, that's, I think you're thinking of, um, no, there was one where uh, he's in the interrogation room with right, a, right. a birthday clown, but Batman's too stupid to realize that it's not the Joker. It's not just, the Joker, yes, that's the jo- Yes, that's the one I recall. It's, it's just a birthday clown. It's just a birthday clown, and Batman doesn't get it, and just yeah. interrogates him and slaps the shit out of him. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's funny stuff. And the guy doing... Uh, you know, and I apologize for not knowing his name. He's very talented, but the guy doing Batman, Pete Holmes. Yeah, Pete. That's right. And he's—I know he's a buddy of yours, right? Yeah. Yeah. He obviously he just nails the Batman voice and the, the mannerisms. And it's, yeah, it's, it's funny now because like now like kind of everybody it feels like you can find a Batman parody anywhere you look, or like dumb Batman, even like Lego Batman. Yeah. Um. I, you know, with all humility, uh, I can say like that started with us because people were not goofing on Batman when we started making those videos. Um, so it was very, I mean, it's the reason that they went viral because it was Mm -hmm. very different and very funny. Um, but now it's like every other, you know, YouTube or TikTok, you know, you could find somebody doing like a, a, a dumb Batman. Right. Well, like you said, I mean, like not like you said, but like people say, imitation, you know, the sincerest form of flattery. So, sure. Yeah. yeah. You guys were out in front, but yeah, the the Lego movie, that's a perfect example. It's like it's all about the Batman idiosyncrasies and sort of the funny things, you know, sort of amplifies right. funny things Just, about, and especially the voice and, and all that stuff. Yeah, the voice of the ego and almost, yep. you know, bordering on hubris. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about um Halloween trick-or-treating type stuff. I mean, because as much as we love horror movies and all that, Halloween is also for kids. Uh, how old is, uh, is your son now, Matt? He'll be, uh, he's five right now, but uh, he turns six a week after Halloween. Okay. Angelina, when she was on, her son also that same age. Uh, this is like the golden age, right? For trick-or-treating yeah. and yeah. loving Halloween. What's your son going to be this year? Well, uh, we always get a costume early, and uh, it, it always changes. But uh, this year, he had picked out a Steve from Minecraft, uh, the video game Minecraft Steve mm-hmm. costume. And he's been really excited about that. But um, also, just through interacting with kids at baseball camp, he has become a huge fan of DJ Marshmallow. And uh, my wife and I are big, you know, thrifters and going to Goodwill and Salvation Army and whatnot. And just randomly, my wife found a DJ Marshmallow mask 
that she's like, oh, he's going to flip over this. And so now he wants to be DJ Marshmallow uh, for trick-or-treating. And actually, when we went to Spirit Halloween, found a DJ Marshmallow uh, bucket, candy bucket. Uh. So it's like, this is just perfect. So now we just need to find him just some white clothes to wear with it. And he's uh, so he's psyched. But, you know, in years past, he's been a pirate. He's been a skeleton. He's been... Um, uh, Spider-Man, he's been uh, Tigger. Um, yeah, he, he's, he, but he loves, uh, we kind of knew getting the costume, it's like, well, it's going to change, his idea is going to change, but he just, he loves wearing costumes and getting, you know, dressed up as whatever. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's psyched. He's, he's definitely very excited. Very cool, very cool. Now, you, you strike me as the kind of guy who would do it up right at Halloween. Like, uh, I don't know what, where you live is like, do you have, like, if you're in a residential area and you get trick-or-treaters or not, but I could see you like doing it up with a lot of decorations. I could also see you dressing up and like running out of the house and, and scaring trick-or-treaters. Am I, am I right? Or am I off base on that? Well, I mean, the last, I'd say you are right. I live in beautiful scenic downtown Van Nuys, California, um, home of uh, Brody King and uh, Bateman. And, um, you know, I, I pass them on the way to work and they're always out mowing their lawn and uh, <laughs> drinking coffee. And I, I wave to them on my way to take Jack to school. And but, you know, Halloween, it this is going to be the first year where. Basically, put it this way, before Jack was born, we would always have a big epic Halloween party and invite, you know, every you know, comedian or whoever we knew uh, to come over. And, and then once, once we had Jack, it was, you know, things quieted down and it's been less, you know, we, we, we both go trick or treating with him, both my wife, Glennis and I, mm -hmm. um, just because it's just a great experience, especially when he's, you know, super young. But um, the plan this year, I've, I've often talked about this and this is the first year we're, we're finally going to do it. Um, we're going to have the garage door open and, you know, try and decorate out the, uh, the, the garage spooky. And of course, you know, I'm the king of all physical media. So of course I have a huge 300 pound Samsung television uh, in the garage that we'll have a VCR hooked up to and, spooky old movies or probably some Halloween Havocs or even if, if anybody out there is a, uh, a tape collector uh, and, and you don't know about, and of course, probably a wrestling fan too. If you don't follow um, my, my buddy Sal on Instagram underscore power dad, 5,000, he makes uh, incredible wrestling mixtapes. And just this year, Halloween put out uh, Headlocks and Horror, which is just a mixtape of horror Halloween themed wrestling matches along with clips uh, from TV and, you know, Halloween Havoc promos with Elvira and stuff like that. Um, it's just the best. So the, I'm very much looking forward to having spooky music playing and, you know, creepy stuff on the TV and having a bowl of candy and this is the first year that I bought one of those um, big inflatable um, Grim Reapers that's going to be standing in the yard. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of been our, you know, Glennis was really into the idea of like every year we should buy like a new big decoration for Halloween. And then eventually we'll have like, you know, this huge 
you know, display. Because when I grew up, we always had like a, you know, I, I got really into buying masks and then making like a scarecrow, like stuff, old clothes full of leaves and put them in the front yard. Because um, the guy who lived across the street from me for most of my childhood, um, the Crockers, and uh, I think Jeff Crocker would have been the guy who, you know, wound up living there, uh, bought the house from his mom. This guy used to do it up. This guy like had, he went to like an estate sale and like found like a suit of armor that he put at the front of the house with a sign that said like, ye master asks that thee go to the back. And when you go to the back, you walk through his backyard. I'll never forget this one Halloween. He had torches, legit torches like lining this walkway leading up to the place. And he would always go above and beyond with like the displays in his front yard of like, you know, it looked like a, a house of wax of just like, you know, uh, monsters murdering people. And it's just like, you know, having like, it looked like severed heads on pikes, you know, in the back and like on top of the fences and stuff. I mean, it was just, it was wild and it became such a, you know, ingrained in, you know, the fabric of who I am. Um, so I think we are headed in that direction. That's not quite there now, but you know, I'm always waiting to hit the lottery or get booked on a, uh, you know, a TV show that runs for seven or eight years. And then I think once, <laughs> once I have, uh, you know, Halloween money, that'll, that'll be the big investment of like, well, each year we got to, put a little bit more into it a little bit more into it well and but, then once you get enough money i mean you can make your own halloween film right you don't have to worry about getting cast that's right like you can you that's can right write it, direct it and star in it yeah you're making a lot of sense kevin i know i am just give me a bit part like let me play like a security guard or something just so i can cross being in a horror movie off my bucket list you can be like the investigative journalist who's you know always chasing after the incredible hulk like you're trying to get the scoop and then you get too close and your head gets chopped off or something or like kolchak kolchak the night stalker are you a fan dude of oh i'm a huge fan of kolchak the night stalker actually coming out on blu-ray finally for the first time ever very soon well, it's on MeTV every Saturday at yes. midnight. I watch it every week. It's just, it's a shame that it only lasted one season. There's just not that many episodes of it. But uh, Darren McGavin as Kolchak, outstanding. He's what, incredible. What, he is incredible. What a great, some of the episodes were a little cheesier than others. Some of them were really good. Um, the TV movies that he did, The Night uh, Stalker right. and The Strangler. I remember seeing those as kids and legitimately being scared. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, it's the dad from A Christmas Story plays a investigative journalist. Uh, I think in a in San Francisco is that where it's set? Chicago, I mean, he, Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. But he he's never in Chicago. He's he always leaves. You know, he's yeah. always like, well, I need a, a, a train ticket to get all. You know, he's always like, you know, working over his uh, his editor and stuff. Yeah, my favorite one is the um, he goes to Los Angeles chasing after a. Um, a vampire and there's yes. all there's also like a running thing like i think if that series had continued we would have found out that vampires run las vegas there was always anytime you wound up in vegas it was because of a vampire but right. there was a um an episode in, he's in los angeles um the police think that he's the murderer 
and I'm I want to say the detective who's on his trail was um what's his name uh the was either I think it was Mr. Feeney, you know, from Boy Meets World, the voice of uh, Knight Rider, of Kit. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of that actor's name. But at any rate, um, when you drive along the 101 in Los Angeles, uh, when you're headed from the valley into, uh, into Hollywood, you drive past a, there's, I guess it's a church. I don't know. I've never been up there. But there's a huge white cross uh, along the highway. And uh, it's, it's iconic. It's been there for decades. And in this particular episode of Kolchak, the Night Stalker, um, he kills uh, the vampire. But then also, I forget how it plays into the plot, but he sets that cross on fire. And so it's just, it's wild seeing this landmark that I drive past almost every week. And then I'm, <laughs> he set it on fire. <laughs> It's a wild that, image. I remember that scene. Yeah, yeah, that's great stuff. And by the way, the actor's name you were thinking of, um, I, I Googled it. Uh, William Daniels. Is yes. The- thank you. Yes. yes. John Adams from 1776. Yes. And also the voice of Night, uh, Kit, right? On Night yes. Night. Yes. Did you say that already? Or- I mentioned it. Yeah. but okay, I knew I heard it from somewhere. I thought, see, that's when you get my age, you, you think you have like an original thought, but it's like, no, somebody said it a minute earlier. Oh, like, man. That, that used to happen in the writer's room sometimes. Somebody would be like, hey, hey, what about this? And it's like, I just said that. I, know. <laughs> I remember one time, you may not remember it, but we were trying to come up with a name for Titus O'Neill and Darren Young. Yes. And we had decided, we were throwing, everybody's throwing out different names. And then we ended up on the primetime players. And I was like, oh man, finally one of my ideas got used. And you're like, what do you mean your idea? I came up with the primetime players. I'm like, I swear it was me. I still to this day don't know, Matt, whether it was you or me. I, I, here's what happened. <laughs> we, we both had it on our sheet uh-huh. and, uh, and I said it first. And as I'm saying it, you were like, yeah, primetime players. Yeah, I had that too. Okay. Uh, which is any writer's room setting. It's never about who's the smartest or the funniest. It's just who can say it first, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about wrestling and, and supernatural storylines and such in wrestling. Uh, what is your opinion? Do you think supernatural characters work in pro wrestling? Are you a fan of it? You know, obviously, like the Undertaker is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, do you think it works in the pro wrestling universe? Um, typically, no, um, because it's you know, like with the uh, you know the most recent example I could think of would be like with the Alexa Bliss stuff, where it's like she can like uh, mind control people or whatever, and I'm like. It, it, it when the stakes get too high in pro wrestling, it always brings up the obvious question of like, uh, well, if you have superpowers, why are you wrestling? Why don't you just go rob a bank? You know, like what, what, why, why is this where you're at? Um, so like with, um, I think you do need to be like a you know, as talented and dedicated to the business as like a Mark Calloway to make a character like that work because it's like there's no reason that The Undertaker would should have worked. Um, 
but it did because of him. Right. There's, um, there should always be the plausible deniability, you know, of like with an undertaker or if you even want to say like a great Muda to like a, a character where it's, um, do I believe that they are this demonic creature or I can believe that if I want to, or is it just psychological warfare against their opponent? You know, right. that, that it is still two athletes who are engaged in combat and, and they're just trying to psych the other one out. Um, cause that works. But like, once you get into, you know, once somebody has magic powers, it, it doesn't work in pro wrestling because it's just, there's no, there's suddenly it's suddenly the stakes of pro wrestling become diminished because it's like, Oh, okay. You can walk through walls and you're using this power to get a championship belt. <laughs> you know, it just, so <clears throat> that's the inherent problem for me. Um, but characters that are scary uh, works, you know, especially, you know, like, like at no point did I actually believe the boogeyman had magic powers, but I can watch it and believe that he believes it. Right. Which makes him really scary. Um, because that's, that's a, that's a dangerous individual. Yeah. That's you know? a psychopath for sure. Yeah. Th that's a, that's a psychopath. And, you know, uh, every once in a while, like every few months, you know, uh, our dear friend and, and former, uh, you know, basically boss Ed Kosky would be like, Oh, I got another voicemail from the boogeyman and he would play it. And it's just like, the boogeyman just leaving him voicemails in character, just being like, in <laughs> costume, I'm coming to get you. Yes. <laughs> just like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Um, only outdone when every so often Brian Gewertz would get a voicemail from some, some disgruntled fan who had figured out what his phone number was and like, would be like, well, why are you burying Antonio Cesaro? You know, stuff like that. Um, uh, but yeah, it, as a general rule, it, it doesn't work for me. But, you know, if you're watching, like I've been, like I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Sal's mixtapes, um, he just put out a, a, a mega mix of, uh, horror clips from horror movies, you know, kills from Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th, uh, in between, matches where like freddy krueger wrestled in memphis and leatherface wrestled in japan um for some reason those work for me i <laughs> i don't know why i guess because it's ultimately again i am just watching you know i can accept this is a wrestler who's just wearing this outfit but you know matt i was gonna bring that up is that jerry lawler in memphis yeah would just start bringing in Freddy Krueger and Jason and, and those would be the heels who would come. And he used those names because this was back in the day when wrestling was still territories and like 
Nobody worried about copyright. You know, people were using music that they didn't have the rights to. And yeah, you know, imagine like they're using Freddy Krueger. Like they're using that. That's that crazy. Yeah, they, they actually did that. I just thought that was the, I remember looking in the wrestling magazines and there's Jerry Lawler fighting a guy calling himself Freddy Krueger. Only and in, you know, uh, you know, the, the spelling would be slightly different, but it's like, we know what's going on here. But like you said, it's, it's local television and in an era where something aired on TV and then once the broadcast was over, it was gone. Yeah, a lot of times they erased the tapes. They taped sure. over like the next week's episode. So much of what still exists from the 70s and the early 80s is because of fans. You know, when, when, when Vince started the WWE Network, they had to reach out to tape collectors to be like, you know, this is the stuff that we're missing. What have you got? Um, it's pretty remarkable. All right. Well, let's move on to our uh, this final topic. Uh, wrestlers in horror films or in uh, science fiction films. Um, I, to me, like if I'm going to think about that, and obviously there's been lots of different wrestlers in horror movies. Uh, back in the day, you didn't see it very often. Every now and then somebody would pop up. Then, of course when you started doing low budget and direct to video and all that, like it seems like everybody's been in a horror movie. But to me, the first one that comes to mind wasn't really a horror movie, but John Carpenter escaped from New York. I thought Ox Baker and his cameo there was mm -hmm. uh, Ox always probably a, maybe it's safe to say a, a bad worker like Ox never good in the ring. Um, Never the world champion, but my God, Ox was this big, nasty, scary-looking dude. Yeah. And I thought he was perfect for the guy fighting Kurt Russell in, uh, in Escape from New York. But then, you know, the other one that comes to mind, and as you know, I'm a big, big Roddy Piper guy, another Carpenter film, They Live. They yeah. Live, What to me, that's the best. I mean, I'm going to take The Rock out of this. I'm not going to say any, you know, the, the Rock is an actor. You know, I, I guess Doom was considered a horror movie, but let's not let's not talk about that. But to me, Roddy Piper, the the best movie with a wrestler in it that was of the horror sci-fi genre, Roddy Piper and They Live. They Live is so good. I mean, any movie with Roddy Piper is, you know, he just wound up becoming one of my favorite action stars just by default. Um, but yeah, Ox Baker... What a look, what a voice, had everything you wanted in a professional wrestler, the size, the mustache, the, the eyebrows, and yeah. then, you know, uh, legend had it killed a guy in the ring. Um, Punch. Yeah, uh, but, you know, it, in an era where you didn't need to be a, you know, five-star Matt Classic worker. Right. Um, so it absolutely worked, but, you know, as far as wrestlers in horror movies or monster movies, I am a huge, huge, unhinged fan of uh, Santo movies and Blue Demon movies. And oh, yeah. there, there weren't as many Mil Maskers movies, but the quality of those are also uh, out of this world. But I mean, like Santo, El Santo was in like, I, I want to say like 55 or 56 feature yeah, films. He was, was in a bunch of them for sure. My, and, and, and of varying quality. <laughs> 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 you know, some of them are pretty remarkable. And then some of them are like, whoo, did you spend any money on the budget of this film? But I've I mean, I've never the, seen the, any of the Mill Maskers movies, but I would, I would love to. Yeah. The Mill movies are, you know, you get more into the, the 70s and um 
they're wild. So, some of them are just, you know, some are Mill by himself. Um, there's some where it's Mill and Blue Demon. There's, I believe there's only one movie which features all three of them in it, uh, which is quite remarkable. And it should also be said that Mill Mascaris was created um, for the movies. Uh, and then became a wrestler, you know, whereas Santo and Blue Demon were already established stars in the wrestling world and then made the transition over into movies. Mill, I did, the, not, I did not know that. I thought absolutely Mill was the same. I thought he was already a wrestler and no. then the movies because he was a popular wrestler. Mill started in the movie and then became a wrestler. Isn't that something? I did not know that. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's one, I want to say it's Santo and Blue Demon versus... Uh, the monsters, uh, Santo e Blue Demon contra los monstrosos, uh, where at because the first time that they actually meet each other is Santo versus Blue Demon, and Blue Demon's the heel in the movie, and then after that they became basically um, you know Batman and Robin. Right. Um, but in them versus the monsters, it's um. I mean, every monster you can think of gets thrown against the wall. There's, you know, a mad scientist and he's making monsters and digging them out of graves and then mind controlling them. And so he's, you got the mummy, you got a vampire, you got a Frankenstein monster, all of it. And then also Blue Demon gets mind controlled. Uh, so then Santo is kind of on his own. And then by the end of it, Santo breaks Blue Demon. Actually, I don't even think it's Blue Demon is mind controlled. I think the guy makes a clone of Blue Demon. <laughs> now that I think about it. It's getting better. But at any rate, once, once they break into the castle and Blue Demon is a baby face again and they're, they're fighting all the monsters, um, legit, legit, Blue Demon is swinging around a burning torch and then winds up hitting the Frankenstein monster in the face. And you can see the Frankenstein. And he's wearing a plastic mask or a rubber, rubber mask. But, like, you see the guy suddenly, like, like, he's not selling it. Like, he gets hit in the face with a burning torch by Blue Demon. It's wild. Um, yeah, those half the time he's fighting... I mean, Santo, he'll be fighting mummies or he'll be fighting aliens. Um, other times he's just fighting criminals. I mean, sometimes he's helping people at the border. Sometimes it's vampire women. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, robots. I mean, it's just, it's wild. There's a Blue Demon movie where the heel is an evil brain. Like he's just fighting an evil giant brain in it. Um, oh, they are wild. There's one where Mil Mascaris somehow gets like, uh, he gets trapped in time and then they go back to like the colonial period or so. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, there's one, they actually just discovered there are, I believe three Santo movies where there are X rated versions of them and X rated being, a stretch. Uh, basically, it's just they are Santo movies where um, there are scenes that whoever the producers were at the time made a more adult version of it. And Santo's not in any of these scenes. And there's no like outright sex in it. There's nothing like, you know, pornographic, but it just features women without shirts on. And so there's, there's one where Santo, uh, he, he invents a time machine. <laughs> like literally the movie opens with 
a bunch of physicists having a meeting. And then he's like, and now I want to introduce my friend who has discovered time travel. And then in walks Santo. <laughs> and then they, they, they can observe the past, but then also travel to it. And then, you know, somehow Dracula comes to where they are. Or they go where Dracula is. I mean, it's these movies. Trust me, when uh, if it's if my description of them sound convoluted, try watching them. Oh, sounds but, awesome. But uh, there's there are just scenes where like Dracula goes to his basement and he starts opening coffins, and then you know the Dracula, you know the the women vampires come out, and then of course they they just take their shirts off for no reason. So then Dracula is standing there with just like a, a row of women standing with their boobs out. It's just it's so insane. Um, yeah. So then that one, I think. I think the 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 like the, the the legit version is called like Santo and um Dr. Dracula or um or something like that but like the 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 dirty one is called like you know it has the word sexo in the <laughs> in of the title which always gets a chuckle out of me um let me look at my list of movies because I have so many of them um, I have like 30 in my collection, but, uh, yeah, yeah. The legit version is San- Santo in the treasure of Dracula, but the dirty one is like Santo and the sexo <laughs> like monsters or the vampires or something, but they, they just discovered a print of the dirty version. And actually El Hijo del Santo, uh, the son of Santo tried to stop it from getting released, you know, didn't want his father's reputation to be uh, soiled by like this dirty movie that his father yeah. really did. And, and, and fair, a fair point. His father didn't really agree to be in a movie with bare breasted women. This was right. done later. Um, not, not in there on him. Yeah. Not too dissimilar to what uh, Bob Guccione did with uh, Caligula. It was already a very risque movie, but then he got the rights to it and then just inserted these, non sequitur sex scenes and lesbian sex scenes in it and stuff um i love that you use the word inserted and before that you use the word <laughs> inserted and soiled i see where we're, we're going down a dirty path here Matt. uh you think that's funny you're supposed to be funny <laughs> uh well matt i have uh man i've enjoyed this conversation immensely as i knew i would it's uh probably the longest 20 minutes of your life <laughs> That's how I'd, I'd be like, yeah, just come on for 20 minutes. We'll talk horror movies. Yeah, and it's funny when you mentioned to me, you're like, I'm the second guest. I was like, oh, well, we're really going stick to stick to time. Like, no, we're giving them a, the Godfather 3 epic, uh, you know, the legacy cuts. And it's just uh, this. Anybody who stuck with us, I salute you. Yes, yes. And don't go away because after this, we've got another guest. We've got Bateman. Bateman is going to, you're the guy that you wave to as you're as you're driving your kid to school right my neighbor sometimes uh i i'm out of sugar and i go by bateman's place and i and i ask to borrow a cup absolutely hmm. well i don't know if it, man you could go over there to borrow some sugar and uh, never come back I, <laughs> that's right well matt before i let you go i know you're always uh you're always doing stuff uh is there anything that you want to plug uh where can people follow you all that good stuff well, uh, I'm on all forms of social media at McCarthy Redhead, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, wherever you want to find me. I'm putting out content and um, I have a album that I put out uh, last year called Sober Dad that's available on all digital platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, uh, wherever you listen to 
that stuff. Um, wherever you listen to music, you can listen to my stand-up album and, of course, my wrestling podcast, the We Watch Wrestling Podcast, new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And, and if you do wind up following me on social media, Kevin, I know that you are a connoisseur of classic wrestling and of the late 70s and the 80s boom period and, of course, the 90s on through present today. Sure. I have discovered through my vast collection of VHS tapes a long-forgotten wrestler named MacArthur the Amazing, a masked wrestler. Nobody knows who this guy was, and no one knows what became of him, but they are some of the most engaging, intense wrestling promos I have ever come across in my life. And, and I have been trying to keep up with at least once a week uh, digitizing some of these promos that I've been finding and putting them on my social media. So again, if you want to see any of this uh, classic MacArthur, the amazing uh, footage that I have uncovered, I, I've never seen this before ever in my life. And no one knows who this masked man was or is. Uh, and uh, But if you go to McCarthy Redhead on Instagram and TikTok and I'm always finding new, new promos by this this strange, mysterious. Who was this masked man, MacArthur the Amazing? No one, no one seems to know the answers. But MacArthur, have... the the Amazing. All right, well, yes. I, I I definitely definitely have to check that out for sure. Yes, yes, they are. In fact, he worked everywhere. He worked. He worked for Vince. He worked for Crockett. He worked. Uh, he worked for Turner. I mean, it, it, the man, the man was in demand. It, it, it's it's wild that that more people and, and students of the game are not discussing this man's work. It's, it's quite something. Is, it, is this the guy that was blackballed because he wouldn't do a job anywhere? I don't know. I don't know. There, there, there's, there's a lot of conflicting uh, history and, and, and information out there about this guy. It's, it's, it's very fascinating. Some people don't, they don't know who, who he actually was underneath this mask. It's, huh. it's, it's quite the mystery. All right, well, hey, I'm, that, that's great. I am, I'm, like I said, I'm definitely going to check that out. And um, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, my friends. Be safe. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. All right, my next guest is, I guess one could say he's sort of a horror movie villain come to life. He describes himself as a handsome sociopath with violent tendencies, and he is a charter member of The Righteous. He is Bateman. Bateman, welcome to the show. say first off uh since we're in this season uh happy halloween I i'm guessing that 
I'm going out on a limb here. I'm guessing Halloween might be your favorite holiday. Would, would that be accurate? Uh, incredibly accurate, yes. I, I know that may seem like a stretch, but uh, yeah, you kind of nailed the uh, hit the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't really see you as a big like uh, you know St. Patrick's guy. Like I don't I don't picture you with you know drinking green beer or anything. So green is my favorite color, but Halloween's my favorite holiday. Ah, okay. Well, we're going to talk a lot about Halloween today, obviously, since this is our Halloween episode. But before we get into that, I, I just have to ask you about what's going on with the righteous and uh, how are things going at the ranch? What, what do you mean, Kevin? I mean, how are things going? Well, you know, like, uh, how are, uh, what's a, what do you, what do you guys do there? I guess, I mean, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to pry. Well, I guess I do. I, I sort of fancy myself as a little bit of a, I don't know, investigative journalist. It seems very secretive there. Like, what goes on if you could sort of take us behind the uh, fence uh, at the ranch? Like, what exactly goes on there? Kevin, I don't know if you really want to see how the sausage gets made for fear that you might end up in the mix. Okay, well, you know, I, I had this thought of maybe taking a camera down there and doing something documentary style. But, uh... <laughs> oh, well, we'd love to have you. And feel free to just pop in. <laughs> okay, I'm writing, I'm putting this under my list of, uh, this goes in the bad ideas uh, category, I think. Maybe I. Maybe I won't do that. Uh, well, you guys have gone through a little bit of a transformation lately. Quite, it's quite a stark contrast, actually, where we're seeing you guys all in white. Yourself and Vincent and Dutch and, and Vita. Uh, what, is the, what is the deal? I mean, Vincent said something about purifying yourselves or pure, some purification. Pro- what, what is this? What's the deal with the white? We are as we have always been, Kevin. Just you wash away the blood and the dirt and underneath, just pure. That's what it is. We Underneath everything that we are, we have been reborn. We have been redeemed through Vincent's pain and suffering and his blood. And now that he's reached the level that he has, his number one contender, wearing that on his head, we are simply revealed now as we were always meant to be. Here's an interesting thought I had. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to, I'm not stirring anything up because I don't want us to, you know, go get off on the wrong foot mm-hmm. here. But we saw for many years with the kingdom that Matt Taven was the centerpiece and Vincent uh, wanted that spot and, and sort of picked his time and, and, um, well, let's just say it. He, he, he turned on Matt and formed his own faction, for lack of a better word, that he could be the centerpiece of. I almost see you in that old Vinny position. Should Vincent be worried that what he did to Taven, you may be contemplating yourself? Well, I would have to say that Vincent to my eyes, has suffered for years underneath someone with a messiah complex who put themselves first and foremost above friends, family, and everything else for a singular purpose, driven only by ego, only wanting to see themselves on top. <laughs> that doesn't sound anything like Vincent to me. 
Does it sound? That doesn't sound similar to you in any way, right? Like that doesn't sound like. I can't. I can't imagine Vinny putting himself, Vincent putting himself, fo- so far ahead of the rest of us. Uh, okay. I mean, if that's right? the way you see it, I, I. That's certainly. That's certainly your perspective, and um, you know, some some of us might look at it differently. But hey, you're you're actually there. You're you're at the ranch. You're you're working closely with Vinny. So, mm-hmm. uh, or, I'm sorry, Vincent. Uh, I don't want to call him Vinny. I know he doesn't like that. So, uh, not a fan. No, no, not a fan, not a fan. Um, let me ask you this, though, and then we'll move on from the righteous. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we've seen you fall out of favor at times. With, well, I won't say fall out of favor. You've done some things that maybe didn't necessarily please Vincent, whether it was losing a match or whatever it may be. And, and you basically had to uh, like sacrifice yourself, kind of fall on your sword. Uh, well, let's just call it what it is, sort of you know, take a beating from from your your family members in the righteous what i mean why would you i mean you're a badass bateman like why would you subject yourself to that you you mean after the uh after the match with bandito yeah who by the way if he hears this uh you're welcome (laughs) because if you hadn't been able to get through me I promise you, you wouldn't have been able to get to where you got. So you're welcome for everything, Bandito. And I didn't do anything that Vincent hadn't already shown that he was willing to do himself. Okay. Sacrifice for the greater good. You put yourself, sometimes that's where it is. Sometimes you fall on the sword. Sometimes you're thrown into the fire. And when you come out, you get heated up, you get pounded on, and then you come out stronger. It's like forging, yeah? You folded it on itself. So pounded. sort of the righteous's version of tough love, perhaps, mm-hmm. one, one would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I, I guess I sort of understand that. Um, okay, well, let's, let's move off of the righteous. Uh, I, I said in the intro that you were yourself like a horror movie villain come to life. And I know that Vincent has starred in a horror movie. It was called Burial Ground Massacre. Have you yourself done anything on Amazon Prime, by the way? Thank you. Yes. Thank you for that. Um, (laughs) Also, Flip Gordon is in that movie. Uh, Philip? Yes. Yes. He uh, probably doesn't end up, probably doesn't end up too well for him, I'm going to guess. But have you yourself done any acting or, or stunt work in movies? I know you are based in California. I would think you're uh, close to that kind of scene if you wanted to be. Uh, I was an, oh, I'm going to think interdimensional uh, type monster in a short a few years ago. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, is that so, something that you'd want to do more of? Oh, absolutely. I'll be your monster. <laughs> and, and do it very well. Yeah, uh, if anyone needs, if anyone hears this, it wants like a creepy guy, then kind of creepy. Well, from what I, I'm told. You, well, yeah, I think it's yeah, it's you don't have it's not a stretch. I tend to make people uncomfortable. I will vouch for that. I will vouch for that. I saw you in a in a video uh, recently by the Bomb Pops punk band 
Um, the, the video was for the song Zero Remorse, and you play, you were credited as Evil Boss. Uh-huh. How did that come about? Uh, <laughs> I was uh, sitting in my, the loft that I live in, and a, someone kicked the door in, a roommate, a friend, a friend. There were some air quotes that you can't see, but a friend, a pal. Hey, uh, I got a job for you if you're available. And as it turns out, the Bomb Pops uh, wanted uh, a dirtbag-looking character. And it just so happened that my friend knew a guy with a twirly mustache and a weird eye. And I think I still had hair at the time, the long hair. Yeah. So, uh, and they sort of described like the look that they were going for. And I already had a bunch of the stuff that they wanted. So just all kind of, uh, uh, worked out fairly well. Uh, my scene, by the way, for the bomb pops, no remorse video was, uh, filmed in fat Mike from no FX's house. So that was an interesting thing. Not only interesting experience, interesting location. Yeah. So. That, that, that was in layers. Layers to that? Yeah. Well, I was, yeah, well, I was impressed. You're not in the video for, for a long time, but uh, I will give you that. You definitely have a presence. And I could see you doing more of this stuff uh, in the future, not just video, not just music videos, but I could see you being someone's monster. I, I think you could pull it off. I, I do. Well, that's what my parents always told me. <laughs> I'm sure they're very proud. Uh, All right. Well, well, uh, since you are such a big horror movie fan, I know that you're doing this 31 for 31 countdown. Hashtag 31 for 31 on your uh, Twitter, where you're watching a different horror movie every day of the month. Uh, Now, are these all movies that that you're watching for the first time or some of these you've seen before? So I like try to instill like this whole subset of rules that only I enforce that only I will, uh, <laughs> that only I care about that uh, only I can get stressed about. Um, and generally speaking for the 31 days, uh, one, I'll try to watch as many movies as possible. And most of those I try to make, uh, I'll still watch some favorites, but for the ones on the list, I try to use movies that I either haven't seen or haven't seen in a long time, so my memory might be kind of sketchy. Like if you, on my Twitter, I think there's one off list, but most of those I think I hadn't seen yet. Like Aliens, the, the one from the, I'm an 80s baby, so I saw, I've clearly seen Aliens, like way too young, and the face hugger really traumatized me, because <laughs> I can't imagine something just latching onto you and, uh, you know, dra- basically taking your free will using your body for what it needs and leaving you an empty husk. Like that sounds just unconscionable and weird. Yeah. Uh, And then, but for the most part, but then like I also was able to attend the world premiere of antlers. So like that was something that I clearly hadn't seen before. And I had seen a triple feature like a few weeks before that. So I have like three movies that I'd seen in my back pocket already. So in case I miss a day for travel or something that I could technically throw on the list, uh, like to, to, to fill in the spot. But for the most part, I try to do, like I said, stuff I either haven't seen in a long time or uh, something new. 
Okay. Well, you mentioned Antlers, that you went to see the uh, premiere of that, right? Yeah. I, um, so I went to see Halloween Kills last week. Nice. And they showed the trailer for Antlers, which mm-hmm. I had never, I had not really, I had not heard any buzz about that movie or anything. I was seeing the trailer just kind of cold. And um, <clears throat> it looks pretty damn good. At least, you know, the trailer looked good. So, mm-hmm. I mean, without, you know, obviously giving away any spoilers, would you say that the movie did justice to the trailer? So uh, about Antlers, uh, that was one that it had been scheduled for, I think, a release last year, the year that didn't happen. Yeah. And I was super excited for it then. And like right before everything got shut down, shut down, it was like right on the cusp of releasing. And they pushed it clearly to uh, this year. Um, I enjoyed the movie a lot, but... I don't know if it, it was never going to be the movie that I wanted it to be, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like it wasn't, it was good and I liked it, but it wasn't what I had in my head. But I also can't, you know, be upset with anyone, <laughs> the movie or anyone who made it for not living up to the expectations that I built up in my head over like two, over two years at that point. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, sometimes uh, that happens with movies. You get so jacked up for it, and you, you, um, I'll tell you what, one that did it for me was the Blair Witch Project because it had gotten so much uh, buzz. The original? The original. Yeah, the, yeah. the original, you know, which, you know, I guess started this whole found footage genre. Um, it was one of the early ones in America for sure. For, for sure. sure. And uh, there was just so much buzz about it, and it was such a unique sort of uh, marketing campaign where everyone in the mm-hmm. beginning kind of thought this was real. and um, man, I just couldn't wait to see, I saw it on the opening night and um, Same. I don't know how you felt, but I left the theater thinking, huh, that really wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Uh, I left the theater feeling motion sick, uh, <laughs> yes, that too. But, but, but kind of freaked out that aside, uh, like, like not deeply like, Oh, Oh no, <laughs> but, uh, just a little, just just enough to just enough on edge and i went with like a big group of my friends so we were all you know messing with each other anyway yeah uh but like i said just enough on edge to like as you round the corner you're just kind of like give it a, that quick double take before you <laughs> actually round roundabout but i also understand especially especially something like that the concept and never actually the payoff of never actually seeing the monster and the fairly open-ended ending i can see people being like coming out and being like well uh well i was nauseous for like an hour and a half for nothing thank you i appreciate it i heard these people yell at each other about being lost (laughs) we're lost it's your fault it's your fault where's the map are those are those teeth yeah (laughs) i'm telling you i loved every part of it i'm like oh man this is going to be so good when we get to the payoff but like yeah, I know for some people that payoff really worked, you know, oh my God, he's standing in the corner and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but for me, I was just like, and I know there could be, sometimes when you leave things to the imagination, it can be scarier. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Like, I don't, you don't have to quote unquote, see the monster uh, yep. fully revealed, but I, give me a little bit more of a hint, you know, let me see a little bit of something in the shadows or um, I don't know. I just thought at the end after all, and hey, look, I built it up in my head. I, it was all mm-hmm. this buzz and how great it was. And it's changing the horror genre forever. And you know, all the hype. 
And I was just like, okay, you know, I see what they tried to do there and it was different, but like, man, I just need a little, if I'm going to sit through 90 minutes of these people yelling at each other about being lost and, you know, all the suspense being built up, like you got to give me a little bit more than, you know, you got to give me more than the girl, like doing the extreme close up with snot coming out of her nose. I need more, I need more than that. That was, that was just me. What man, what a taskmaster. (laughs) If the, if the if if the literal snot drip didn't do it for you, Kevin, I don't know, I don't know what's gonna what will at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't. That, I mean, yeah, I wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed. The environment that. in the house for the last scene, uh, yeah. definitely. I think I feel that that was definitely a good move. Like, just but I'm a big fan of any old like house that's clearly gross and run down and kind of forgotten, and the handprints all over the wall were. Like, all that worked for me, but I definitely understood when people, leaving when people were like, well, like I said, I, I, I was dizzy for an hour and a half, right. and then there was a man in a corner, and then the camera fell over. <laughs> awesome. Right. I think a lot of people would have been, it, it, would be, it, it would be a trope still, but I think a lot of people would have been fine with, like, brother in the corner, and then, like, a jump scare, and then roll credits. Yeah, people would have a lot of folks would have been way more. Uh, I, I feel felt like they got their money worth that way. Yes. And that's where I would say the first paranormal activity succeeded where Blair Witch failed because it was the same kind of thing. It was very tense the entire way through some really genuinely creepy moments. Uh, mm. uh, Katie uh, standing over. Uh, what was what was the, the, the guy's name again? He had an odd the character's name. I can't, we had an odd name. Um, Kevin, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I've never seen any of the paranormal. Oh, movies. okay. So you have no idea what I'm talking about then. Uh, I uh, mean, I've, I've seen, like, I know the gag and I think I've seen, I've definitely seen parodies of it because at this point who hasn't. Right. But it was, uh, I think paranormal activity came out for me, like writing like a big glut of found footage stuff. And I was already kind of, sick of found footage at that (laughs) at that period yeah um and that's one that like i think really blew it up and heated it up and then there were like 47 sequels and i just never once the sequel machine started i was like i i don't i don't know if i can just i I don't know if i can do this to myself Uh, well now that it's been you've had some time you know like it's Mm. It's not as hyped, and there've been all the sequels and everything. I would I would recommend go back and at least watch the first one. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And and I think, like I said, I without giving too much away, and it, you know you haven't seen it and everything, but I, that the little jump scare that you well, I guess I have given it away. But, <laughs> um, you get a little bit more for the people like me who are a little disappointed at the mm-hmm. end of Blair Witch. You kind of get that little thing that we were looking for. Uh, you get the uh, you get the payoff at the end. You get a little bit with. of it, not much. You know, it's subtle, which is all I right. want. Yeah, it's subtle. It's nothing yeah. over the top, um, and it's creepy. And and I think it sends you out on on a right no, on the right note. And I think all the sequels kind of kind of did that. They, they left you with this genuine genuine sense of creepiness and like chills on the back of your neck kind of thing as as you walked out. And like, oh man, that was that was creepy. Um, and s- subtlety can be super underrated when it comes to oh, definitely to, to terror. Just that building impending dread is often a very good tool that we that most people would prefer us you know i think most people prefer a brain surgery with a sledgehammer because i don't think a lot of folks have the patience for that 
like impending, like, oh man, come on. Oh, is it gonna, oh man. Like if something's gonna happen, just let it happen, man. Like that sort of feeling. Most, I, I think most people would just like to be scared and get it over with than that. For me, it's when anyone says we need to talk. Like that same feeling where it's just like, oh, can't, just no, no, let's just talk then. Like, I don't, I, I don't yeah. need that living in my head until like four hours whenever you're available or whatever it is. Right. I'm the same way. It's like, well, can just give me a hint of what we're yeah, going to so, so, Or just tell me what we're going to talk about. Right. So I, I can at least have that. Right. No, no. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. That's the worst. That, that is a oh. form of torture in itself. Yeah. Uh, well, one other quick, I'll give you a quick story. Uh, with Blair Witch. So you know that the, it was, it was filmed in Maryland. It was, I, I'm, sh- I'm sure you know that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So the house that you were talking about, the scene at the end where you see the handprints and everything else, mm-hmm. this was actually done. Um, it wasn't done in Burkittsville, which was where the, the movie was, was set. This was actually done in another suburb of Maryland. And a buddy of mine um, knew like it, be- word started spreading like that house is like, in the woods, like not too far from where we live. And you, people were like going there to check it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, he goes, yeah. And we were like, I swear to God, <laughs> this is the truth. Um, we're also me and my buddy, we're like, we like weird, we like weird stuff. Right. Yeah. So we were watching, um, <laughs> what was it called? The uh, it's true TV now, but it used to be called like, I think court TV yep. court TV yeah. was running like a marathon of Charles Manson uh, parole hearings. Right? Yeah. So, and you know how entertaining those things are. Which is oh, where Charlie, I, he gets yeah. to put on a performance, right? He, mm-hmm. Every so many years, he gets to come out and, and perform in front of the, the parole board. So The media seems bored. Go get the one out of the cage. Exactly. And he starts telling me about, you know, the Blair Witch House is like not too far from here, uh, you know, where they did that final scene. And you know, it's like in the middle of the woods and well, and actually, he told me, he goes, it's in the woods, but it's not like too deep into the woods. And you know, he's like, hey, we could go drive down there, you know, like if you want to check it out, you know. And like I said, this is like, I don't know, midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and Perfect I was like, time to be snooping around in an abandoned house in the woods. Exactly. And I was like, so you're sure it's not too far off the road now? <laughs> he goes, no, 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 it's not. It's not. You'd be surprised at how close it really is to the road. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So we go there, all just armed with a flight. Each one of us has a flashlight. And all the protection is, you would ever need. All you'd ever need. And it is pitch freaking black. I mean, you can't see your hand, you know, the old cliche, couldn't see my hand in front of my face. And so we start walking in and. Oh, you uh, guys should have used those flashlights you brought then. Yeah. That probably would have helped with the hand thing. Yeah. Well, no, I'm telling you, like when we first went out <laughs> the flashlight. Yes. It was. Yes. Uh, all right. Yeah. Put the flashlights on. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, we, we go in and he had been there during the day. So he knew where it was. And um, we start walking in and I was like, I kind of feel like we're getting kind of far from the road. Like this doesn't seem right off the road. Like, oh no, it's, it's, it's up ahead. It's close. Okay. So we get there and um, flash it, flash the the, the light on the house. And man, it is freaking creepy to see that house that we've seen in the movie. And there it is right in front of us. And it's almost like it's glowing, you know, when we put the flashlights on it. And I was like, wow, this is, and you're talking about two adult men here. Like we're not like 15 years old, right? Like we're grown men with, you know, families and, and stuff. So we're like looking at it and we're like, all right, man, let's go, let's go walk up there. And we start walking towards it. And my head starts thinking, 
all right, well, I don't, you know, there is no Blair Witch. I don't believe in ghosts necessarily. Or, but I'm like, there could be people, there could be like homeless people living in there. Or there could be God knows who is in there, right? Mm. Waiting to jump out or murder us, who knows? So I started thinking about that as we're walking towards it. And then we started hearing like stern, like noise, like things move, like branches moving. Or we both heard like noises of something moving either in or close to the house and we both stopped and we're like did you hear that yeah, i heard that did you yeah okay we heard that so we're just like hold on let's just stand here for a second and let's see if we hear it again and so like it's you know dead silence out there in the woods and then we heard it again there was clearly something moving around now could it have been a squirrel or something like that it probably but our both of our heads went to the same place of like there's a person in there or or persons mm-hmm. And if there, if there are people in there at midnight and like, maybe this is not the best idea. So I'm not going to lie to you, Bateman. We, we, we chickened out. We were like, let's, let's start walking. Uh, let's, let's start heading back to the car. Right. So we turn around, start walking. And we thought we, I swear to God, we thought we heard something behind us. Oh, of course. So we stopped mm-hmm. and this was the moment of truth we both slowly turn with the flashlight and God, you know, we're like, please don't let there be anything. (laughs) (laughs) And there wasn't right. There was nothing behind us. So we're like, all right, we're not going to run, but we're going to walk briskly. (laughs) Let's walk briskly to the car. And so it would be a better story if I told you we walked into the house, but that Mm. would be why we we didn't do it. Check it out. (laughs) So, uh, a story like uh, sort of counter to that. So I'm from Oklahoma originally. And uh, so after this was also years ago, probably maybe a few years after Blair Witch, this is maybe 99, 2000, somewhere in that area. But we were training and I think the training night was either right on Halloween or like the day before or a few days before. And so we finished up wrestling training in the building that we were in, and a handful of the guys were like, of course, it's, it's Oklahoma, so there, there are any number of local, you know, your local haunted house out in the middle of a field or abandoned building. They clear, uh, it's a big abandoned building in the middle of nowhere, so clearly it used to be an insane asylum, and you know, it's horribly haunted. Like five or six of the guys were like, all right, we're, you know, we're going to go. And me and the guy who, uh, the, the guy who handled the, not handled, who helped with the, the majority of my early training, uh, Brad Michaels, we, we were, we, uh, we were the two opposing because I had seen enough horror movies and was already into true crime enough not to want to roll those dice. <laughs> so I probably would have been, my, my point being is I probably also like, and at this point, it was already, I think, training ended at nine. So after we all stopped talking to each other to, like, leave the building, or once we all stopped talking to each other to get dressed, and then got dressed and talked more in the lobby, and then talked outside of the building, it was probably getting close to midnight because, you know, a group of wrestlers don't do things quickly, generally. Uh, yeah, like, there was no way that they were, once again, armed with, a flashlight yes. or a handful of flashlights is like not going to be the move to make for me. Uh, yeah. 
I, I would have done the same thing. I think I, even if I had gotten close, I was like, you guys can do that. I'm going to drive home and sleep in my bed. <laughs> if you guys aren't murdered or killed, I will see you next week <laughs> or this weekend. One of those two. Uh, and then they came back with all sorts of like, oh, man. We got there and there were noises in the building and there was a light coming from the room and we went in there and there was no light in the room and Crawford tripped and fell and like it was a whole to do and like yeah yeah I'm glad you guys enjoyed that I was asleep <laughs> having pleasant dreams as yeah. pleasant as they get yeah as pleasant as they get. yeah I yeah I think I would have had more courage. Um, if you want to call it courage, if there was maybe like a group of us, like 10 of us or whatever, mm. uh, with just two of us armed with our flashlights. Uh, and again, I wasn't afraid that there was anything supernatural in there. I was afraid that there were real people in there. Um, oh, that's the yeah. people are the monsters. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the Blair Witch doesn't exist, but you know, people exist <laughs> and there could be people in there. So yep. uh, I didn't want to know. I didn't, I didn't want any part of it. I didn't want to take the chance. This is not how I wanted it to end for me. You know, that's not how I envisioned going out. Yeah. It, yeah. The Blair Witch might not exist, but like if woods, abandoned houses in the middle of the woods have taught us anything, it's that people like Albert Fish do exist. Yes. And those are places best to stay away from. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or well, did let, me exist. let me get, get back to your, uh, your 31 for 31. Um, you mentioned that you were watching a lot of movies that, you know, maybe you've seen for the first time. I was checking out uh, some of your posts uh, some of the movies I hadn't heard of. Uh, some, some of I the movies I also hadn't heard of. So <laughs> well, I was going to ask you for, for for people who are listening to this who are horror movie fans, and and you know obviously we we know all the big franchises and everything else. So we know some of the cult classics, but are there some obscure movies, one or two titles maybe that that you would recommend that you think you know maybe you haven't heard about this, but you should check it out. Okay, uh, so. I watched uh, Dolls last night. I forget the year, but it's it's the '80s one because there was a remake, a remake or a movie of the similar title. Uh, Dolls was a delight. Um, it was, it, believe it or not, uh, there was a house uh, full of dolls, and the dolls uh, might not have been the thing what it is that you want dolls to be which are just dolls yeah um and there's a storm and there's a creepy couple who live in the house and there's some terrible people who show up at the house and there's a child and a man that if this movie had been uh, made in the 90s probably would have been played by chris farley uh, I feel, or or a heavier man with big energy, like from the mid '90s. So take your pick. Farley was my first thought because, of course, um, a Night Train to Terror is something else I watched a few days ago. Uh, Dolls was suggested by Vincent. Dutch suggested uh, Night Train to Terror, uh, and Night Train to Terror is an anthology, and I love an anthology, but uh, oh boy. Uh, buckle up like there are scenes like at one point the word the word satan is pronounced sainton like the word sainton like sane and then tan added to it okay and i don't know if the actor had like an 
accent that I didn't pick up on any other word that he said in any of the rest of the scene that he was in. But it was super amusing to me that you would just like mispronounce that. That's odd. so so egregiously. Yeah. And it be left in the film like they like they didn't get another shot. Uh, there are scenes that are like it's good, like live action, live action, and then it's like cuts to the same characters, and it's like stop motion claymation for like five or ten seconds to do an effect that I'm assuming they didn't, they couldn't afford to do, like with practical effects. It is a magnificent uh, train wreck of a movie. Um, so those are good. Uh, Antlers drops the 29th, so if anyone was, saw the trailer and was curious about that, I would suggest that. But two of my favorites that I've seen, like, overall so far, that, that I don't think I even put these on the list. Um, one is a miniseries, uh, Midnight Mass on Netflix, if you haven't checked it out. Uh, I liked a lot, and it's still fairly new, so I don't want to try trying to avoid give giving too much of the game away so to speak well our previous guest matt mccarthy also uh, endorsed midnight mass oh it's fantastic uh at least i liked it um oh uh, heads up for anyone if if you get hung up on like certain dialogue styles then it it might be a little grating for you uh it's sort of monologue heavy but i was talking with another buddy of mine and in that way, it almost feels uh, Shakespearean in a way, just because of how they build they build everything. But it's a uh, it's a really good. Uh, it, to me, it was a really good story of what can happen if you have your blinders on to everything that is going on around you because you're so focused on one. Uh, one goal and one aim that you don't see everything else like burning around you because you're so focused on this one thing and you're so sure that you're right and that you're making all the right moves and that everything is happening for a reason and for this greater purpose that lies beyond you. And then uh, Saint Maud is also uh, fantastic, in my opinion, if you haven't seen it. And it's another one of those things It's uh, to me where it plays is like the, the question of is this mania or is this actually happening, which to me, some of those movies are the most fun. Yep. Like is it's like I said, along the along the uh, lines of. Once again, along the lines of. Uh, I said sort of like the midnight mass where you're it's one of the like how deep are you into the things that you believe mm -hmm. and can those beliefs become so strong that they cloud uh, reality or they start to creep from the part of your brain that yeah like you keep this on your mind some of the time and then it just kind of slowly overtakes the way you think and it changes your behaviors and you might do some extreme things that you might not ordinarily do if you were of your right mind, because maybe you've been through something before and then you found this other door, you found this way out. And then that type of belief or the way you approach things now becomes so circular. 
it always comes back to this one thing and this one vision and this one way of doing things and everything has to be based on that or it's not right you know like that those are two that really uh have stood out to me but yeah those are ones i had uh heard about and definitely uh you know they're on the list at some point i think to get to for me uh mm. i i want to ask you if you have any um I guess I'll just put it as, I guess, guilty pleasures. Any horror movies that you find, I don't know if you even have guilty pleasures and if, you, if anything falls under that uh, label for you. But for me, I have to admit it, it's the Human Centipede movies. Have, have, you, have you seen those? There's, there's I, been three of them. So I haven't, but that's also because I've been told uh, by other people that I trust that it's one of those like, eh. Like I, I've been told that the first one is good and the other two are gross just for the sake of being gross with very little like story or adding anything else to the lure other than, or lore, I believe, uh, with other than for any other reason, just to be like, well, let's see how much gross that we can actually get on screen. Yes. Literally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I'll say this much. The first one, uh, I, it, it, well, like with a lot of, you know, trilogies uh the first mm -hmm. one clearly the best uh mm -hmm. just creepy the 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 actor the german i believe he's german uh dieter Laser, so. uh is man he's just he's just really creepy like he he like is so believable like i could see in real life meeting this guy and him still being creepy even when he's out of character um you know yes it has the there is the gross aspect of it for sure which is what makes a lot of people interested like my god they're really doing he's doing what he's sewing what to what uh, you know, that's kind of why you're curious, I guess, this morbid curiosity to see it. But it was genuinely creepy, the first one. And then um, the second one I thought was just as creepy because, well, I don't want to give too much away, but there's, an, it, it, there's another villain in, uh, in the second one that I think is even more disturbing, more creepy than Dieter Laser in the first one. Yeah, the guy, who, uh, the guy who looks like someone started to make a frog out of wet clay then never let it dry. <laughs> that guy, yes. Who was also a thumb somehow. Like if a thumb <laughs> and a frog were the same thing, sort of. Yes. Like a where frog. they from? How do you, how you found that guy in the, the casting? I don't know, but man, he was, he was perfect for the role. The third one is absolutely skippable because it is played for laughs. It is, it is like just... Um, uh, like a dark comedy, I would say at that point. Mm. Like it's just—it's a send-up of I think the whole human centipede phenomena, if it exists. But um, if you ever do check those out, I would—I would be interested to hear what your thoughts are on those. But uh, yeah, I don't know what it says about me that I've seen all three human centipedes. <laughs> but that you're a know. completist, you like to complete a series of things. Right. That's what—that's what, that's that's what I'm going to chalk it up to. That's yeah, what I always. That's what I always chalk it up to. Like, if I start a terrible movie, I will finish it. It may take me several sittings, but I will finish the bad movie that I started. Yep. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let, let, let's go with that for me. That's why I love the Human Centipede movies. <laughs> you start it, you got to. I started it. it. Yeah. I, I got to watch them all now. Uh, okay. As far, well, go ahead. As, oh, sorry. I was going to say, as far as guilty pleasures uh, for me, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I sort of uh, like to watch my movies uh, deliciously, like I live my life. I just kind of want to, what's, <coughs> damn it, 
Sorry about that. <clears throat> Damn it, pal. Was that a sneeze? Uh, that was just weakness leaving my body, sir. Yes. Uh, Damn right it was weakness. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been able to, I should have been able to control that thing that I can't control. You're right. Um, I never point. sneeze. <sighs> Weak. Um, oh, and never say you're sorry. Uh, that was another mistake. Yeah. Yes. Good point. <laughs> uh, I proceed. <laughs> uh, but not really guilty guilty pleasures I can't think I'm trying to think of a movie that I know is bad that I still enjoy other than Night Train to Terror which I learned that I liked uh, last week uh, or a few days ago actually uh, maybe if you're looking for something that you're just like wow oh Okay, wow. Uh, I feel that Tammy and the T-Rex is a good start. It was uh, Paul Walker and I believe Denise Richards. It's okay. a, I think it may be Paul Walker's first movie. It might be Denise Richards. Uh, it's on Shudder, I believe, right now. If okay. you have that. Not, not trying to give a bunch of free advertisement away, but like th this is definitely worth seeing. The first time I tried to watch it, uh, I couldn't. I was at a friend's house and there were like five of us there and we all ended up uh, just leaving the room. Uh, and then I watched it again <laughs> later on and I was like, okay, well, now, now that I'm not being so mm, about, uh, not being so precious about the movie, then it was like, okay, yeah, this is just like, who had these ideas and how did this get made? And then when you get into the lore of the movie, uh, it's it, it's been out since I think the early 90s or 80s, so I don't think I'm gonna give too much away, but uh, a man, uh, Paul Walker and Denise Richards are like having a high school romance, and Denise Richards' ex-boyfriend, who looks like he's about 40, uh, who apparently also goes to the high school, is like a well-known, a town criminal to the point like, like they he and his gang of uh i'm assuming they're supposed to be metalheads or punks dr based on dress because it was the late 80s early 90s you see and they were the stock villains of the day uh like severely beat paul walker and like leave him to die and then a scientist comes and steals paul walker's body and put his brain in animatronic T-Rex or robotic T-Rex and then wackiness ensues. You know, <laughs> that old chestnut of the beginning of the story that we've heard a million times, uh, gang of punks kills uh, college athlete, not college, high school athlete, scientist steals body for brain. You know, that thing that we've seen it. We all know that. We, we all know these steps. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's a fun one. If you can find Saturday Morning Massacre, which is sort of, I think you can order it. I, I can't even remember where. My friend had it. It's sort of like a live action Scooby-Doo, but an actual horror film. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I think, it ha I think it was made and then I think initially released in Germany. Or something. I think it ha I think it's one of those movies that has like twelve names, but Saturday Morning Massacre is the one that I saw it under, and it's 
it's a lot of fun. And I'm trying to think of like one more that's just like, what, what, what is happening and why am I watching this? But you can't look away. Uh, Demon Wind is also like, okay, Demon Wind is uh, also fantastic. There's like a karate guy and a magician. And then they're like, there's a house because houses in the middle of nowhere. That's also like a dimension, like a dimensional door sort of thing. And then there are demons and then there's an angel who looks like an alien. And, and then the movie kind of ends. <laughs> so you, you had me after karate guy and magician. I mean, Oh, and they, uh, this might surprise you, Kevin, if I'm not mistaken, karate, karate guy and magician are either, I can't remember. It's been a while if they're best friends or if they hate each other. I think it's Karate Guy and Magician, and then the, I think it's Karate Guy and Magician are on the same team, and then Head Jock is uh, opposing, which would make sense because it was the '80s. So you have I was to have to say yes. That would definitely make sense. You have, to, you have to have the you have to have the character who shows up terrible and is terrible the whole movie, <laughs> and like never has any redeeming qualities, and everyone's like. Oh uh, yeah, Greg, that's sick. High five. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, we have to have Greg here. It's like, why? Uh, like, what? Why would you have Randy? Like, why would you have Randy show up? Everyone, like, no one. He's always a jerk. Randy is like, no one. Ugh. I think we've all had that friend in our lives. Oh, I know definitely. I have. I know I have. Sure. But like, I think I think we've all had those friends. It's just. A lot of horror movies, uh, it's one of those things like, uh, why would you invite this friend to this getaway sort of thing? It's like, all right, we're all going on like this friend's vacation for a week. All right, we have everyone who gets along with. Who's someone that we're always all, that we're all always just livid with? Let's invite Randy. Yeah, let's bring him along. Yeah. What could go wrong if we bring him? Or if we can't get Randy, let's get Steve. Like just one of the two friends in the friend group who we all, who is there just for us to hate and complain about <laughs> their actions will, there will be no positives from this. Like chances are they're going to cause an accident or an argument of some sort that need not be, and then storm off at some point. And that'll set off a domino. Uh, oh, that. Yep. Just Why can't I read this Latin out of this book? We're in the woods. <laughs> what could go wrong? So well, I just found what, it. Should I, I not I, piss on this grave that I found in the backyard? <laughs> I saw a great example of that. I just watched it the other night. Because um, I'm like you. I don't, I don't necessarily have like the 31 for 31, but I'm trying to watch as many horror movies as possible because it's, it's October and this is just what you do. Right. I watched a classic very underrated classic in my opinion called the fun house from 1980 or 80 80 or 81 uh are you familiar with that toby hooper movie oh yes i watched that uh a few weeks ago or like maybe last month right okay i i think that's such a uh an under it gets it gets kind of thrown in with the 80s slasher genre with kind of a you know, when people look at those movies in kind of a negative light, it's like, because it was never like a huge hit. It was never a big franchise. Mm. Uh, you know, there's no Jason or Freddy or, you know, uh, Michael Myers, no iconic villain. So it gets overlooked. But man, I think it's really one of the best from that era. And um, you talk about, 
it just made me think of it. You talk about the, the one jerk friend. It's like the one guy that it's, it's like basically two, two, um, couples like I guess they're supposed to be in high school but I think the one dude to your earlier point I think the one guy is like 30 um and looks like he's 30 but he's Mm -hmm. supposed to be like 18 but so they go on this double date and of course the one guy um is just such a complete jerk and yeah and he's he's like hey wouldn't it be a good idea if we spent the night in the fun house because you know my my friend uh Tommy or that you know he did it right it's like okay so that's First of all, he's the first, he's the guy with the bad idea. Let's spend the night in the fun house. But then once he's in there, he like robs. I would say then the, it shifts to like let's rob the guys. Right? Let's rob if the guy. <laughs> oh wow! Not only did we, uh, uh, it, it went from uh, let's sleep in the fun house to let's watch the guy in the Frankenstein mask uh, have sex with a sex worker. Right. To let's rob him. To we seen a murder, and like. And Tommy's behavior just never – there's murders that's happening, and Tommy is still somehow arguably as bad as everything else that's happened. It, yeah, and it's like – It's real only, impressive. Yeah, not only is he the guy with the bad idea and then the guy who just like inexplicably decides to rip off the um, the scary carnival barker with the guy in the Frankenstein mask who's – you know, not only is that a bad idea, but then as they're looking, as they're on top uh, and they can see through the floorboards and looking at what's going on, of course, mm-hmm. then the guy drops, I think it was his lighter. He dropped something out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. It was his lighter. His lighter falls out of his pocket, falls through the floorboard, and now they've been exposed. So it's like, not only have you put us in this horrible position by getting us in here, not only did you rip the guy off, but now you've had him discover us by dropping your goddamn lighter. Like, who would not want to kill this guy at this point? Like, well, you don't need I, the monster to kill him. I would think his three other friends would have killed him. Well, I was going to say, uh, I was going to start with, well, the guy in the Frankenstein mask, who's the character name I can't remember, but he, Gunther, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's it right. Was, yeah. It was a German name, I remember, or like a, what I assume is a German name, I don't know. But yeah, let's say not only it, would you want Gunther to, but yeah, it was, I could just see if they made it now, like the lighter would drop. And if it was a parody, you would just cut to someone and they would just do the slow ahead turn with like the relay look right. as the lighter falls. Like, of course, we told Tommy, we told you not to bring your, I don't know, lucky Zippo right. <laughs> or, or whatever for, for five times. You don't need it. We have flashlights that we're not using. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, so classic '80s too, because you had the you had the obligatory uh, shower scene right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you had uh, uh, the kids uh, getting high, right? Got to yep. do that. Got to go to the fun house and smoke some weed. And yep, it was it was all those like '80s horror movie cliches. But man, Toby Hooper just kind of like made it all work. He brought it all together, and that is a genuinely creepy movie. And I I highly recommend for anyone who is a fan of the slasher genre, especially if you overlooked Funhouse, like go back and and uh, and watch it because I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Oh yeah, it was a lot of lot of fun, and I will uh, I will also endorse that. If you haven't seen Funhouse, Funhouse is a treat. This is a bit of a segue, and I apologize. Uh, it's wild to think that um, like <laughs> there there are kids today who have seen like. Uh, like a Serbian film or martyrs or like some of your more extreme, like just like what the, f- what, what, what is going on? 
like why would you make this uh for some people like the house that jack built is also very troubling but like that sort of thing and then like my grandpa i saw this really scary movie and he was like oh you think that was scary like i saw the invisible man in theaters right it was a man wrapped in ace bandages and wore sunglasses <laughs> and Good when he took them off there was nothing there. nothing there it was terrifying <laughs> just like to think about like how much the bar of horror has shifted so like you that popped in my head and i had to get it out or it never or i would have been thinking about it all day well, you know, Dracula, 1931, which I, I love that movie, but it's like, obviously, we'll look at it through the eyes of today, where we've seen so much and been desensitized, and, you know, but you think back, and, you know, I've read all the stories and everything about at the time, you know, it was, like, shocking. Frankenstein, 1932, was shocking to audiences. Yep. They'd never seen anything like this on the big screen, and it was just, oh, my God, what is this? And it was you know, sort of controversial and dangerous. And, you know, is this what you're supposed to get when you go to the theater, see this kind of stuff? Uh, but now we watch today. That they would allow that sort of thing to be filmed. Right. And now we look at it and we're like, oh man, that, that's, that's so tame. But if you watch it with a certain eye and, 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 you know, you think back to the time period and then, you know, you can, I mean, to me, those, those universal movies, the invisible man is one as well. Like all classics, the Wolfman, all of them. Um, mm -hmm. to me as a fan of that old stuff, like to me, they, still stand up today if you don't you know don't compare it to texas chainsaw massacre don't compare it to anything today with cgi or any of those things just let it think of it as as when it came out and what it was at that point and then i think you can appreciate the you know just the genius of it and um and and again how it like uh you know that kind of set the wheels in motion i mean you can even go back to one of my favorite movies is is a silent film nosferatu 1922 I, I just put that in one of my cues literally yesterday. That's the first movie. I was, this was a question. Here's a segue. I was going to ask you what movie scared you as a kid. I'll just give you my answer right now. It was Nosferatu, 1922 uh, movie. Um, the local library when I was a kid in October, back in like when I was six years old, they were showing like every, you know, Tuesday night or whatever it was every there was like one day a week where they were going to present a horror film mm -hmm. and um it's like I had my mom take me to see these things I was six years old loved horror movies you know like would watch all the old movies on on like creature feature and ghost toast these things late night on Saturdays on the UHF station and uh so we're like oh great you know and it's like uh, Nosferatu well I don't know what that is but let's go see it as a six-year-old watching that movie like that is the movie that literally gave me nightmares like i went home that night and and literally thought i saw max shrek count mm -hmm. or law like at the foot of my bed and woke up screaming like that's that literally happened and uh and like i that you know i watch it now as an adult and obviously I, it doesn't give me nightmares at this point but i still can remember watching it as a six-year-old and just how absolutely just the movie's so dark creepy um, you know, some people, modern audiences might almost laugh at it because it is a silent film and there's a lot, you know, obviously there's, there's overacting, it's very expressionist and things like that. Mm -hmm. But man, I tell you, it scared the hell out of me as a kid. And I'm sure in 1922, probably scared the hell out of a lot of people who watched it. Oh, you'd have to imagine. It's a thing like, uh, especially with like horror movies, you, sometimes you have to 
look at the because if you look at them today like you said like through the your modern eyes like i was talking about the tropes we we're talking the casting older people to do these other things and we're all fine with it but if you look at through the time you probably were it's fine but the same thing with the universal stuff at the time like i i was joking about it compared to the modern things but the time the the idea the very concept of like frankenstein or something like that being put on film, I'm sure was dangerous. Like just the thought of how new some of these ideas were and the technologies were that they were using, like probably really freaked people out. Yeah. And we, we forget that now because we have all the things that we have these days. Um, but yeah, the, the, uh, the Count Warlock look is a freaky look anyway. Like it's, you know, uh, vampires as monsters. It's yep. not your, it's not your classic silky, beautiful vampire, which I like a mix with my vampires, by the way, they can be I pretty, do. but sometimes I want them to be terrible monsters as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, <laughs> Count Orlock definitely, definitely goes to the creepy side. I mean, I, mm -hmm. here's the thing, like, if you look at the 1931 Dracula or a lot of the ones made later, you know, when, a and it depends on who made like some of like, 1931 Dracula already like differentiated from Stoker's novel because it wasn't Jonathan Harker who shows up as the real estate agent. It's Renfield, right? So they already mm -hmm. Liberty, but whether it's Renfield or Harker, whoever it, it, it shows up when the count looks like Bella Lugosi or Christopher Lee, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, this guy's eccentric and maybe a little creepy, but hey, it looks like a human being. Yep. Imagine the, when Harker shows up and sees count Orlock standing. <laughs> This can't be right. <laughs> so, oh, may say like, what? Like, what would the thought process be? It's just like, well, old country folks, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe it's a rash. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Some lotion might clear that up. I don't. <laughs> and then staying, not only opening the door and being, and not immediately just being like no and shutting the door and leaving, but it just be like, well, I should. Yeah. yeah, I should continue to try to do the business that I'm here for. Let's get this real estate deal done, and I'll spend the night while I'm at it. Let, let's get these papers signed. Yeah. <laughs> I am terribly uncomfortable about business first. <laughs> I've always said it. And McClellan, you certainly would have left after, uh, I mean, this happened in like all the Dracula movies, but especially in 1922 version, the silent film, when Harker like nicks his finger and some blood is produced and Count Orlock is ready to like jump on him and suck his blood out of his finger. I mean, if you still stayed after that, I mean, that's on you. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. on you. I think that happens in like most uh, Dracula movies. Like at some point, he'll just happen to be there when someone's cut and right. all of a sudden he gets, you know, real worked up and everyone's just like, oh, well, that's a normal thing that old people do when they see blood. That's... <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. Well, the joke in uh, Lugosi's Dracula is that when he does it and Dracula starts like coming over towards him and then as he gets close, Renfield had a, uh, someone had given in the village who was like, no, don't go there. Do not go to Castle Dracula. They gave him uh, a rosary. Yep. So when, when Lugosi gets close to him, the rosary kind of falls down from uh, Renfield's neck and the Count sees it and immediately recoils and covers his eyes and Renfield goes, oh, it's not, it's just a scratch. Yeah. It's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Which if you're going to play it off, I guess that's the way to do it. It's like, oh, I'm so I didn't realize that the sight of blood offended you. Right. <laughs> it's just a small scratch. Don't worry, I'll have it cleaned up in a moment. 
Uh, well, I was going to, what I was leading to, I guess, was, um, was your, uh, what scared you as a kid? That, that last two questions for you. What scared you as a kid? And what is your, if you could narrow it down to one, your favorite horror movie of all time? Uh, so what scared me as a kid? The shorter answer is most things. Uh, <laughs> I had a arguably overactive imagination as a child. So most things, uh, like I, I didn't get, I didn't find horror enjoy, enjoyable until I was older, because as a kid I was, I was a just the biggest scaredy cat. Um, like I said, the scene in Aliens uh, freaked me out. Not just the uh, face hugger loose with Newt and Ripley scene. That one got me good, but also before that, like when uh, Hudson pops his head up through the ceiling and you see all the aliens like coming through the grid work of the ceiling. Yeah. Like, like aliens got me good. Uh, I want to say child's play, uh, fright night. The original fright night actually scared me Ah, because I was, because once again, I was a young, I was a very small child in the eighties. And I was like, Oh no. (laughs) Like when, uh, Oh, like, uh, the friend who had the funny nickname who I can't remember. Oh, the one that gets turned into a vampire, uh, that the cliffhanger. I know. Left exactly on. Who yeah. Oh, it's killing me. I, as soon as we get off this call, I'm going to shout his name out loud. Cause that's when it's going to come to me. Um, but anyway, like I clearly remember like the, 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 the cross getting pressed into his forehead and then being pulled away in the, uh, like the burn mark that it left like that stuck with me forever. It's still one of my favorite effects effects shots just because like, you know, I was very young when I saw it and it scared the piss out of me. <laughs> uh, and favorite horror movie of all time is harder. Like that shifts a lot, but one that like it probably also very cliche, but it, it, this also freaked me out a bunch and which makes sense because of all the effects. Uh, that still hold up today. Uh, the Thing, 1982. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't see it clearly in 82 because I, I was born in 82, which I don't know why I said clearly. No one, I don't think everyone knew the year I was born. But anyway, <laughs> point being, uh, like when I saw it, when I was, like parts of it when I was a kid, like I couldn't sit through it. Like once again, the blood testing scene the the when they go to do the defibrillator and the chest cavity opens up and yeah eat, like all the all the practical effects like really really stuck with me and i like i said i still feel the movie holds up people still argue about the you know the ending of the movie today like who was the thing were they both human were neither of them human right like, you know uh so i think the thing is if it's not my favorite, it's always in my top, definitely top three of all time ever. But the, uh, I'm probably going to say The Thing, which I finally watched to the 2011 version. And uh, I've seen it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have not seen it. I, I, I've seen the one you're talking about, the 82 with uh, Kurt mm-hmm. Russell. And I've seen the original thing. I have the original thing purchased mm-hmm. uh, because I think I think when the last times I talked to Matt McCarthy, I think it was Matt. 
Like he had mentioned it. We, the thing had been brought up, and I think he mentioned it. So I bought it, but I haven't watched it yet. So maybe that maybe I'll get through that on my list. The yeah, the I thing from another is it the thing from another world. Yeah, exactly. And I I, I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll definitely. Mm. Just as I, here's a segue, just as I have enjoyed this conversation. I, I, hey, <laughs> great segue. Great segue. Uh, yeah, great episode. Uh, Angelina Love, Matt McCarthy, Bateman, all being kind enough to give us time out of their day to talk about one of my favorite subjects, Halloween and horror movies and things that scare us. Uh, before I let you go, though, can you tell us uh, where we can follow you on social media? And then people can follow along with your 31 for 31 hashtag. Uh, on Twitter, it's at uh, Tyler Bateman 666, because of course it is. Why, why would it be anything less? <laughs> uh, and then on Instagram, it's Tyler Bateman official. Awesome. Bateman, thank you uh, so much for taking time away from uh, your duties or whatever goes on there at the ranch and, and, and uh, talking some horror movies with us. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. No problem. Like I said, Kevin, just pop in anytime you're curious. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'll have my people call Vincent's people if he has people. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, I want to uh, thank everybody out there for listening and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels, at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying, stay safe, let's all be ROH strong, and happy Halloween. <laughs>